I once thought I could protect the world by myself, but I was wrong. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. My pleasure, guys. Uh, or, or actually, guy, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> just me and you, I guess. But uh, I'm just used to talking to a whole squadron of people over there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back. It's been a long time since we've talked, and a lot has happened, so uh, it should be fun. Yeah, definitely. I guess we're just going to be the dynamic duo this episode. <laughs> what could be better? Uh, I, see, I see. I see what you did. Now, do you want to be a Robin or a Nightwing or maybe Red Hood? What are the other sidekicks? <laughs> I, I noticed that you didn't give me the option of Batman, so. In the, because I the, guess I'll, the host of the episode always gets bad. That's just the fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Hey, there's no shame in being Robin to uh, to Batman. So uh, either Robin or Nightwing will be just fine. We'll go with that. Yeah, especially okay. If, cool. Reason, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good to have you on again because we have we've got a lot of potential big news to talk about in this episode <laughs> if everything pans out. So emphasis on potential big news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're hoping. But before right. we get to all that good stuff, we always, of course, got to start with our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. And, Kroz, I'm hoping you might be the first one to just make this all worthwhile for me and get my hopes up where you've been following along minute-by-minute minute as we're recording these commentaries with us each every two weeks. Please tell me you have been. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> there, you know, I, I can hardly wait to watch that next minute with you guys. So, uh I, I anxiously await minute fourteen. Oh, it's gonna be great. Are you just excited to be a part of a minute now? To be part of a minute? I'm fired up. I mean I I I'm I'm dressed for the part, um, no pants, as I was told. <laughs> um but that's the deal, right? So uh so yeah, I'm ready to go. No pants, queued up. Let's do it. That's what we're all set. And I think it's fitting too that you gotta be at least a part of one of this minute commentary because you were on our original Dark Knight Rises review podcast, so you had to be on one of the minute commentaries. I did, it. and I believe I had some pretty strong opinions around that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I can't say my opinions have changed, but uh, nevertheless, onward and upward. <laughs> 
Well, maybe this minute will change your opinion of the whole movie. Just this one. I, I, ironically, this is my favorite minute of the whole movie. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you joined the perfect episode to do it on. <laughs> it's it's amazing. All right. So anyone else is following along with our minute by minute every two weeks, <laughs> go ahead and get your Blu-ray copy, DVD copy, your digital download copy, your VHS copy, your VCD copy, your Laserdisc copy, whatever copy you have of The Dark Knight Rises. We're on minute number 14. And we'll start it in three, two, one. Yeah, so our last episode, we hit the scene where Gordon's talking to Blake. And this is a milestone for our minute-by-minute commentary because we've got, I think, one of the last major characters in the movie of John Blake making his appearance. So after that, we just got to see Batman, but I know he's still a long ways off. <laughs> but eventually we're going to get there. But when I first saw the scene that they were talking, I was wondering, like, how much interaction are they really going to have as a commissioner and as a cop? But as it turned out, they did have a lot of interaction, but Gordon was in the hospital bed for most of the time, <laughs> which was a little disappointing. But Right. And now we're up to the reveal where we see Wayne Manor again. If I – I don't really want to call it a complaint, but – I know they kind of talked about making how it was great to get the return to Wayne Manor all built up, and we're going to see the, like, new extensions made to the Batcave, and we really get to see too much of it besides from the beginning right here. Yeah, especially, I mean, the, uh, I think that that was the hope, you know, at the end of Batman Begins, was that we were, we were building towards that big, um, the big reveal of the Batcave, and especially when we didn't get it in, in The Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, you know when, when I, I thought when we when we finally get to see the Batcave now we've waited, uh, you know whatever it was, you know three plus years to see it. I really expected something awesome. <laughs> uh, well, wasn't wasn't the strongest uh, improvement to the Batcave, but nevertheless, yeah. it is what it is, right? Um, it did look pretty cool from what we did see, but <laughs> so I just yeah, more of it. And it was cool. It was cool. I just I was hoping for a little more. Exactly. I know. Uh, well, we way past our what, minute. It what, was stopped on the perfect spot, like right when Alfred is about to enter into the cave. But yeah. before we leave off top of the Dark Knight Rises, for that point of the Batcave, there's a part of me when we first saw those glimpses of the trailers that the fight between Bane and Batman would be in the Batcave. Because in those quick shots, you're thinking, oh, is it, could that possibly be the Batcave? I don't know. So I was always That's right. That's here. right. I remember all that, the, the speculation, because when we saw that image, and you remember that, that one image that was released, and there was like a little guy in the background that was yeah. wearing white, and we were all freaking, is that the Riddler? And, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was, it turned out to be, you know, a whole lot of nothing, but, uh, but yeah, I remember we all thought that was the Batcave, because there was the waterfalls, and, uh, we thought, wow, Bane's down in the Batcave, and they're having a, a big fight sequence down there. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I bought, I bought that one, or I biffed that one, I should say. Yeah, and I still, I mean, that fight scene, I love that fight scene, it's so cool, but just that in the Batcave, it just would have made it a little more, I just want to use the word epic, or more theatrical, <laughs> or something. Yeah. Especially when he broke his back, it was like, if that happened in the Batcave, it was like, I felt like, oh man, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. What I do like about the, just going back to the John Blake thing, and John Blake and Gordon, um, I, I think you get a little bit of uh, foreshadowing. Um, I, I think we're really supposed to be, um, as an audience, we're, we're supposed to get invested emotionally in, in the John Blake character. And I think that's actually one of the things that Nolan did really well in this movie. Um, that John Blake, even though he wasn't the character um, that we necessarily wanted him to be, um, I still liked him as a as a character. I liked John Blake. 
and I thought he was a, he was kind of a cool. I mean, I know he was kind of a hybrid of a lot of different Robins and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I did I did like him, and part of that is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a a very likable actor. I think um, at least you know for me, he, he he always does a good job. But I think having establishing that relationship with Gordon, and then knowing where we end up at the end of this film. That presumably he carries on with the mantle of the bat. That you could you could believe that that relationship um, would be intact. Yeah, definitely. I remember too on that Dark Knight Rises podcast we did how we were speculating because um, he was such a good, well-developed character. How well, maybe later on they're like they just can't resist using that character again. Maybe he'll get his own comic series or something that continues on with the storyline. And two years later, uh-huh. still nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> So it's like I don't know if we're ever going to see John Blake again, <laughs> unless yeah, I think I think that was a, a moment in time. Yeah, <laughs> he'll always have his one movie in that line of being called Robin. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I never say never. You know, anything can happen. So old characters come back all the time. Hey, look how long it took for uh, the '60s Batman series to get its own comic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you never know. Yeah. You know, somewhere out there, there's some kid who is really, you know, moved uh, emotionally by John Blake's character and really attached to, to him, and someday that kid is going to become a comic book creator and say, I've always wanted to tell the story of John Blake. Yeah. We're, and there you go. And we'll just be old men to finally read it 50 years later. <laughs> and we'll say, and we'll say, uh, with no pants on, I might add, <laughs> that we called it here and now, yeah. June 20th. So. 50 years, we'll be going back to episode 60 of the Bat Fans Without Pants podcast. Let's say when our grandkids yeah. are doing their own Batman show via some other means that we can't even fathom. Right? Yeah. <laughs> show that is digitally implanted into your brain or <laughs> something that you get to see it by then or hear it. See, this is a time capsule is what we're creating really right now. <laughs> or better yet, maybe 50 years, we'll still be doing podcasts. We'll be on episode 5,000 or something. <laughs> Wow, that would be something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting that goal right now. <laughs> All right, man. Feel Go for it. In 50 years later. <laughs> I, I'll be there. Cool. You yeah, have my word. Awesome. All right, so that takes care of the minute-by-minute minute Dark Knight Rises commentary, and that can move us on to our feature topic. And for this feature topic, I'm just going to geek out a little bit here because <laughs> I just had the ultimate bat fan experience <laughs> being fortunate enough get invited to a sneak peek at the Warner Brothers Studios VIP tour Batman exhibit. And boy, oh boy, man. <laughs> Was it just an awesome, awesome experience for any Batman to go to? Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging at all, but it was just such a cool experience. that. Gee, oh, brag that. away, man. I'm I'm super jealous. Yeah. So what, what was the coolest thing? What was amazing? You know what? This is... I don't know if it's going to sound corny or whatever, but just being a fan of the character my whole life as a little kid, just loving the characters, its costumes, and like seeing because this costume is so iconic and the Batmobiles too. But I got to say, the moment I stepped into the first portion of the tour, which is I think they call, they call it the museum room, is that's where they have all the costumes from all the movies displayed. They got concept art there. They got different props of the gadgets. But the first thing you see when you walk in is a display case with all the cow, different cows from the movies in there. You got the 89 cow, you got Returns, you got Clooney's, you got Val Kilmer's, you got Christian Bale's cows that he wore in The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight Rises. It was just an awesome image of seeing all of them in a glass case. 
But the thing that I geeked out the most, where we just walk around that display case, right behind it is the Dark Knight Rises bat suit on display, just pretty much how it is in the movies, how it shoots up from underneath that platform and it's in its case, and uh, you got the gadgets all right by it. I just saw that when I saw that image, my mouth was almost on the floor. Like, wow, I can't believe I'm standing next to this bat suit. <laughs> it was just so awesome. And then I felt like I was actually in the bat case looking at the bat suit I'm going to put on <laughs> and then go on. That's awesome. Home. I don't think this awesome. is the waterfalls. <laughs> so you can really feel like the bat game, but yeah. <laughs> it's like I had the biggest smile on my face while I was looking at that. Like I got sprayed with Joker toxin or something. <laughs> it was just so cool to see these <laughs> costumes and like right in front of you where you. I didn't touch it because they kind of said don't touch anything, but <laughs> just to be as close enough where you can if you wanted to. Just uh, so cool. And I have to say, I got because growing up, I always loved the Keaton costumes. Uh huh. The Nolan suits are good, too, but there was a part of me that always liked the first 89 Batman costume. Yeah. But seeing them in person, I had more of appreciation of how well put together and how cool they looked of a Nolan suit, actually. Even Batman Begins, I wasn't a big fan of it. I mean, it still looked cool. It's a Batman costume, but it wasn't my favorite. But seeing it up close and then the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises costumes, I don't know if it was the quality or just so run down or whatever, but the, they looked a lot better than the old Michael Keaton costumes. They just, they just like made left an impression on me more than those other ones did. They just didn't look the Keaton ones didn't look quite like how I remembered them on screen. Whereas in the ones I saw for Christian Bale, they looked exactly how they looked on screen and just in awesome condition and just yeah. <laughs> I don't know what just I could say that's like the one little disappointment I had was the Keaton suits because I just loved those growing up and just seeing them in person didn't have the same impact as the Nolan ones did. So, yeah. Well, keep in mind, and it's been it's been 25 oh, yeah. years. That's true. So, I mean, those those suits have been around for for a while, and uh, you know, the, even I mean, even Michael Keaton, you know, has said that even from Batman to Batman Returns, the the, the materials had improved, the the weight of the suit had improved, the ventilation, you know, all these things, and so you know, they've really gotten it down to a to a an art form. Um, in, in creating those suits and, you know, how they put them together so that the actors can stay in them. I believe, you know, I remember hearing stories of Michael Keaton saying he could only be in the suit for like 10 minutes or something like that, and then he had to be taken out. He was just dripping sweat. And I, I don't know if you ever put on any of those suits or anything or the mask or anything like that, but you can't be in – I mean, I've I've got a mask, and when I did my, my Batman fan film, you know, I, I I played Batman for a short time, and I got to wear one of the suits. And I mean, it is so hot in, in those suits. And I mean, you're just I mean, part of me is, and and I'm a fan, and I'm like, I'm, there's no way I'm taking this off because this is the most empowering, like, coolest yeah. thing I've ever done. And and but but you're but you're dying. I mean, it's it's you're just you know. But then when they get to the Nolan suits, and you see how well ventilated, and you could hear, you know, Bale could be in them for for hours on end and, you know, with no problem at all. And, um, and they were lightweight and you can move and, um, you know, just they, they, they had really improved. So I'm curious, you know, once we get around to uh, learning more about what's going into Batman v Superman, um, you know, what Affleck's suit, you know, is, is like. And um, I know we've, we've got a, an awesome image of it, but, um, you know, what's, what, what is that suit comprised of and what are the materials and all that? It'll be really fun to, to discover, you know, all that whole, you know, a whole new process because it really looks different. Yeah. And just real quick, since you mentioned it, what was your take on the Ben Affleck Batsuit reveal? 
Oh my gosh. Blown away. <laughs> so excited. Like it is honestly I saw that I saw that picture and um I was on a friend of mine he, he does another another Batman podcast and we were talking about it on there. Um shameless plug for the Holy Batcast. It's a it's a great show. Um and and we were talking about um talking about the suit and kind of it was it was kind of our immediate reaction to it. And it, we were sitting at work and we we're uh, eating eating some cereal in the morning and and that's when you know Snyder's you know tweet went out and we just all freaked out. We're like we're not even looking at it on our phones. Hold the fort. We're, we got to run up to my office and we're gonna look at it on the, the big monitor. And oh my gosh, that thing! I mean, I felt like I was looking at the Batman suit I've waited to see my whole life. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're like oh my gosh. I mean, he looks. He looks like Batman, and I, I've maintained. Uh, I, I admit, like a lot of people, I, I had my doubts about Affleck, and, and and still we don't know anything about the performance. We all have, you know, high hopes that it'll be great, but um, but physically speaking, just the the physicality of it, I think Ben Affleck looks more like Batman out of the comic books than any other actor we've we've had to this to this day. I mean, you just look at the jaw, the, the, you know, his size, the the hair, the you know, kind of just the dark aura that he has about him. Um, he he looks like Batman, and then to see him in that suit with the, the black and the gray and the the Dark Knight Returns, and then it's kind of you know that, there's crinkles around his arms and that texture, and you're just like, oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Now I got to admit, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm more of a long ear guy. Same here. Um, I was like one nitpick. <laughs> Yeah, but but it but it doesn't bother me because it's it's something different and it's it's a complete 180 from from the Nolan films, right? Where and which is what I think they really needed to do and they and they've done really well. Where it's like Nolan was it was all about um, you know functionality and it was armor and he was literally the Dark Knight and and this is I think really more embracing uh, Batman and and kind of the bat motif and celebrating that a little bit more. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I said this on earlier podcast when we talked about the suit, but that's the same reaction you did where I've always had this little worry where when I see Ben Affleck as Batman, I'm not going to see Batman. I'm going to see Ben Affleck in a Batman costume act, trying to be Batman. But when I saw that image, it was like, no, I didn't see Ben Affleck in that shot. I saw Batman, <laughs> which is what I was hoping. I know, and we haven't even seen anything yet. That's one picture. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> And it was like what was awesome too was, I mean when 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 Affleck was named as as the new Batman, and just the the hate and the the venom and just uh, the internet explodes with with anger over this casting announcement, and then the complete opposite end of the spectrum when we actually see him in the bat suit for the first time. And we couldn't be more overjoyed. And it's like the, it's the most amazing thing we've ever seen in our whole lives. And we all become just 12 year old schoolgirls, you know, crying our eyes out for seeing our, our hero. It's like we've seen him for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, complete opposite end of the spectrum. And I mean, they nailed it. And I think, I've got to think Snyder had to have been pretty pumped to, um, to share that image. I'm sure he knows he has something really cool. Oh, yeah. I think um, and, and very different. Yeah, I think he's been chopping at the bit to get this stuff out to let the fans see it, because I think, like you said, he knows it looks really cool. 
Well, I mean, you know, and I, I'm I'm a creator myself, and you know, I I, I work in, in in the industry, and and I'll tell you firsthand, the the reaction from the fans means a lot. You know, you, you pay attention to that kind of stuff, and and you you hear the 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 hate, and you hear the the ugly things people have to say, but you but you really are hoping for some some good things too, because I mean, I think you need to hear the criticism, but it it also feels really nice when uh, people respond positively to it and i think he knew with with this image he had something special so yeah of course that was- and, then, and, then, and then it was immediately getting the high-res version and adjusting the levels in photoshop so we could look at the <laughs> of the detail i mean it was the, just the nerdiest moment and we were completely worthless at work like the rest of the day yeah <laughs> i just i just couldn't stop looking at it you know instantly it's desktop wallpaper and it's on our phone wallpaper. Oh, and screensaver is the Batmobile too. And I mean, it was funny how because we were waiting for the reveal of the Batmobile. Yeah, that's why it's such a great surprise when it happened. And all we could talk about was Batman. It's like nobody's even talked about the yeah. Batmobile because you know we really I think we're I think there's still uh, more to be revealed on that one. Oh yeah, that's the hardest part right now, waiting for more. I mean, to see a, a color shot and then to see a shot with him with Superman and Wonder Woman and the Wonder Woman costume reveals. So, yeah, there's plenty of more. To oh my gosh! I know it's gonna be amazing. Hopefully, it'll just be a month or so at Comic Con. Is what I'm hoping for when we get more info for this. I know. I can't believe Comic Con's only a month away. It's yeah, really snuck up on me this year. Yeah, same here. I mean, we're, we're talking about later about uh, DC's potential movie list. But when that story came out, it said this might be for Comic Con. I was like. Man, that's still a while away. It's like, wait a minute, no, it's not. It's like a month away. <laughs> I know, and you know what? It's I hope I hope they do reveal that kind of stuff at Comic Con, and you know, I know there's kind of the the Marvel, you know, DC thing or whatever. But as as fans, as nerds, as geeks, as fanboys, like it's all awesome. Yeah. Like I I hope everybody brings out. You know all the bells and whistles, because like, you know you know Marvel's gonna bring their A game. They always do to Comic Con, and there'll be some crazy announcement that we never saw coming, and somebody will show up, and it'll and we'll lose our minds. Now it's it's, it's DC's turn. You know they've I think it's DC and Warner Brothers who need to really step up um, with with the Justice League. They have something very cool building, and I, I hope we get to see something really special. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it has the potential. And by special, I mean footage. I want to see footage. It exists. <laughs> That's I know it exists. Uh, I would, speaking personally, I'd be super shocked if they showed any type of footage. I'm just expecting I know, I know. But I want to see something. they got to show something. Yeah. And we'll find out in a month or so. But I know. Yeah, but what's cool also about the new Batman v Superman stuff was that as I was taking the tour, the tour guide, he was actually saying that the producers for that movie has already reached out to him saying, hey, once we like start wrapping up production and all that, we want to give you guys the suits we're going to have for our movie. So even later on, hopefully if this thing's successful, because it's just lasting through the summer, the Batman exhibit, but if it's proved successful, they'll keep it around longer, which after going through it, I don't see how it won't be successful. <laughs> I think it's going to be a big hit. So we, yeah, in like a year or so, we might be able to see the Ben Affleck Batman costume on display there because it would look nice with all the other ones. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine? I know. Well, I, well, I'm excited. In that, you know, I'm, I'm pumped that you got to go. Um, you know, you're actually you were you were right up the street from me. Um, you know, uh, but uh, I, I I think I'm gonna I'm hoping to go 
uh, probably the first or second week of July. So cool. uh, I'm I'm excited to go check it out. Yeah, I highly recommend it because after you go to the display with all the costumes, because it's a pretty cool layout where they pretty much have a section for each movie. Like on one side is like the section for Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises and they're like at the back end is where they put the Schumacher stuff. <laughs> and then uh, I will say too, because with the Schumacher stuff, of course that wasn't the stuff I was really excited to see, but I will say I do like the Robin costume from Batman Forever. If it didn't have those nipples on there, I'd pretty much have no issues with it. Cause it's pretty it's much a great suit. suit. Yeah, it's, it's a great suit. That's how Tim Drake was in the comic back at the time. I loved that yeah. suit. This scene yeah, it was – person was like, man, this is a really cool suit, but uh, then there's the nipple show up, and I just shake my head going, why? <laughs> why did you have to I know. The nipple, it's, it's just such a weird creative decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, somebody had, somebody designed it and fabricated it and approved it. I mean, if you've ever done anything like that, you know there are layers and layers of approvals to get things, and Somehow those nipples just made it right through. Uh, it's amazing to me, but uh, nevertheless, there they are. But you're, I'm with you. The, the, that first Robin suit, even the second one, to a certain extent, um, the kind of the, the pseudo Nightwing suit. Um, you know, they were cool. You know, I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with those suits. Like, like you said, other than the, the nipples. Sounds <laughs> so weird to say, but, but yeah, but the, but the, yeah, but the Batman Forever Robin suit was. I mean, that was a movie interpretation of the scene from the comics, especially at that time. Yeah, I, when I was a kid, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is like the Robin I've been wanting to see. But for, since I saw Tim Drake's updated costume, like, now they bring it to the screen, it's going to be awesome. And even back then, I don't think I really paid too much attention to the nipples of like a 11, 12-year-old kid. <laughs> I would just so <laughs> how it looked like the comics, but then later on, of course, like, uh, there they are. <laughs> but, there they are. <laughs> So after that, I think it's going to be the main attraction for the whole studio tour where they take you into a garage, which is where they have usually set up for, like, classic movie cars. But they just took all those out and put nothing but Batmobiles and <laughs> uh, motorcycles in there. And, man, oh, my gosh. It was like you're in the Batcave almost. And they even had a bat, the bat signal from the Dark Knight trilogy lighting up, shining on the wall in there as you're walking around just seeing all these amazing cars. And, boy, I've said it before. The 1989 Batmobile is always going to be my favorite. I don't see how it will ever be topped. And seeing it standing right close to it with the uh, cockpit open where you can see the interior, oh, man. <laughs> it was almost like oh. a dream come true. I was like, uh, I, I'm with you. That that 89 Batmobile was – that that was it. It was perfect. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, it doesn't get much better than this <laughs> if you're a Batman fan. You saw the tumblers, and those are really cool to see, too, up close and personal. But there's nothing that compares to that 89 Batmobile. It was like, and as the tour guide said, too, that every vehicle in there is operational where you can drive it. So, like, oh, man, I want to hop in right now and just take it out for a spin. <laughs> oh, man. Can you cool. imagine? Like, I, I think about that all the time. Like, just, you know, I, I do my commute on the 5 freeway there, and it's it's a beast and it's awful. Yeah. But how cool would it be if I was in a Batmobile? Yeah. <laughs> like that would just be the coolest thing ever. Like you wouldn't mind spending like two hours of traffic in the Batmobile. It would make it a little better. No way. <laughs> it would be, it would be fantastic. And everyone of course would be staring at you. Like, yep. I'm driving the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> What's also cool about Route 2 is they have the statue that was used for the end of the Dark Knight Rises just planted in the middle there. It just made the room look even cooler. You got all these great vehicles, and then in the middle is a giant Batman statue. 
nice. was also cool to see. Now, the that only thing nice. missing there was the Batman and Robin Batmobile was like, okay, no big deal. That was my least favorite. <laughs> but the Batman and Robin Batmobile was not there? No, it wasn't. That's they, weird. They say that on the tour, they're saying that's how one, like the one Batmobile that's really not safe to drive, which is how it's designed and built, where it's like really fragile and cheap, where it can crack <laughs> if the slightest little like like bump or crash or anything that it has. So I think they feel that's why it's one that's not, doesn't really run at all. So they didn't even bother putting it in there. And that's I, weird because they had it. They had it at Comic Con. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah, and then they and then there was the uh, the bonus feature um, oh, right. on on the Dark Knight Rises DVD where they went to the Bob's Big Boy right there in Burbank, right down the street from the studio, and and they had the Batman and Robin Batmobile there too. That's right. Yeah, I wonder if something happened on that tour where it's like, okay, we're not taking this car out anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's where probably the world is probably. But then I that's asked, strange to exclude it though. Yeah, but then I asked the tour guide that felt the bat if they ever, like, had the idea to get that in there, because that would really look cool, like, hanging down from the ceiling or something. Oh, yeah, what did he say? So, yeah, we talked about it, but it was just, like, really too big to get in, (laughs) like, pretty much too much of a hassle to get it in there and have it on display just because of the size. But it exists, right? Like, it's it's still... Yeah, because that was part of the plan, he said, to get it in there, but... Because that that just would have topped it off (laughs) to have that in there. Yeah. Well, and the... um... Oh, and well, then, uh, and now there's the the new Arkham Knight uh, Batmobile that they had at E3. Um, yeah. that, from what I understand, that that is not a, it's not a functional, drivable car. That's that was just for display at E3. But nevertheless, did you get to go? No, I didn't go to E3. It was it was impressive. It was very cool. It, it was so much bigger than than I thought because a lot of the marketing material um, for Arkham Knight almost makes it look. Um, a little dune buggy-ish, like it looks kind of smaller um, and not quite as long. But when when you saw it there full scale, like it was it was very cool. I mean, it was lit up and smoking, and uh, you know the tire tread had had kind of a bat logo motif on it. It was it was very it was pretty awesome. Cool, yeah. Because even from the trailers and gameplay footage we got it, I always I like the design of the new Batmobile. So yeah, seeing it yeah. in person must have been really cool. Now. Just get that over to the Batman exhibit. You can have another car there. <laughs> I know. There you go. Just yeah. keep, yeah. Just keep adding to that thing, cause man, <laughs> and like yeah. that whole Batmobile section of the tour. That was the last part of it, and I think it's probably good because I don't see how you could top it. <laughs> and another, <laughs> another cool thing too that they have as a souvenir if you wanted to, they had me do it where they put you in front of a green screen and they take a picture of you. They go, act surprised, like something's coming from behind. So they take a picture, and then it ends up where, like, they superimpose you where you're in the Batcave and the tumblers flying out from behind. <laughs> so I got a <laughs> picture of myself trying to act surprised. I didn't act really surprised. but <laughs> There you go. a pretty cool souvenir to have if you're into that type of stuff. So it's a, That's awesome. One way to remember your time there. There you go. So, yeah, man, anyone who may be on the fence about going, if you're in the Burbank area, Definitely go. It's well worth it. I mean, as a Bat fan, I think you have to go if you're in the area. It's such a cool experience seeing those iconic costumes and Batmobiles up close and personal. Such a thrill for me. Also, I took tons and tons of pictures. You can see all those in my uh, full report over at thebatmanuniverse.net, where I think there's like over 100 pictures (laughs) I put on there. So maybe it might take a little while to load, but you'll get a good idea of what to expect on the tour. Yeah. A great time was had, and oh, I gotta mention this too, which this would have made the whole day like something I'll remember forever, but it didn't. But as we were ending the tour, uh, 
the tour guide mentioned to me and the other guy who were getting a sneak peek on the tour. He said, yeah, Chris Nolan was here earlier this morning and he was checking it out and he loved it. And he, I got to meet him and all that. And I tried not to act like a fanboy, but I just told him I loved that in his movie. <laughs> he was all cool with it. I was like, Oh man, if I was here for that, <laughs> there was some chance we got to meet Chris Nolan. Jeez, what a way to top the day off. But <laughs> it was so cool to know that he was there checking it out. And maybe he was lurking around the premises somewhere else. <laughs> he just didn't know, but I thought that was cool that he checked it out. Okay. So I got to ask, was this a perk of, of being the host of the Bat Fans podcast? It was a perk. For that and being the only person associated in the Batman universe who lives in this area. <laughs> so, there, man, there you go. Yeah. See, that's awesome. Yeah, so I was fortunate with that. Is that just in the fact that Warner Brothers uh, Studio Tours asked uh, Justin from the Batman universe if they wanted to get a sneak peek of it. And then, yeah, he shot me an email saying, knowing that I lived in the area, if I wanted to check it out. Like, first, he didn't know what it was. They just sent him an email saying, there's an event happening this day. Would you like to go? I was like, any Batman events probably were going to be cool. So, yeah, definitely just going to find out where it's at. And then it ended up being this. And, geez, couldn't ask for a more fun time. And as a Batman, it's something that I didn't really expect to experience in my lifetime. But really glad that I did, saying that I got to see these iconic costumes from these, for the most part, great movies in person. It was just so cool. Right. And, I mean, I mean and some of that stuff, you know, the – they got to really pull out of the, the archives yeah. there, wherever it is. I mean, because I think they got, like, even, like, Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze suit yep. and Poison Ivy and Riddler and TV. I mean, all these Everybody, things that yeah. probably don't don't get a lot of play anymore. So it had to be pretty cool to see some of that stuff. Love yeah. them or hate them, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and even some of the cows that run that display case I mentioned earlier, some of them weren't in the best shape. Like, I think some of the Keaton ones, his ears, they were, like, cut off a little bit or bent, or there's some rip or tears in the cow. So, yeah, they were definitely stuff that had been used and just weren't sitting in the storage or whatever this collecting does. But it's great yeah. that they brought them all out. They pretty much went all out for this. And it's a perfect way to celebrate the 75th anniversary. So, yeah. Well, I mean, even anytime you see that kind of stuff, I think, you know, as a as a fan, that's you know, it means so much to you. You know, especially I think stuff that you saw like as a kid, yep. or you know, things that really impacted you, and to see it up close and, and in person. When I had the the good fortune of being, I went to the the Lucasfilm archives one time. Oh man! And, oh, and I can't, I can't imagine yeah. what my reaction would be for that. <laughs> and I mean, seeing some of that stuff is just, I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, and, and even though the like seeing the original, you know, like Yoda puppet. And it's oh, wow. just, it's so like, it's like destroyed and they, it's, it's barely recognizable, but you're like, I don't even care because yeah. that was, I fell in love with that little thing. And I know he looks like crap now, but, but he was amazing when I first saw him. And then you see things, you know, like, um, like the, the, the Death Star model and all, you know, all these things. And it's, you're like, wow, just to see it up close in person that these are, these things were made by, by real people, you know, with their hands and they weren't. CGI, you know, and I, and, and they, it goes for for Batman as well. I mean, these these were fabricated and made by by brilliant artisans. And in the case of like the bat suit, they were inventing a whole a whole new thing. I mean, you think about the rubber bat suit yeah. from 1989. That has become the cinematic staple for that character, even up till now, yeah. right? Where it's you know some kind of black rubber suit, and you know it looks like Affleck is a little different, but but the, but you look at Affleck's cowl and you go. That's still a remnant of, you know, the 89, you know, Batman, latex Batman cowl, you know. Um, 
So I, it's, it's pretty, it's always impressive to see that kind of stuff up close in person. And if you have any kind of affinity for, for, for Batman or any, you know, these other kinds of displays, I know they've done things like this for, for Harry Potter and, you know, whatever. I mean, go check it out because it's, it's really, it's, it's impressive to see that stuff up close. Yeah, it sure was. And now that I got Batman checked off my list, Star Wars is next. <laughs> One day. There you go, man. There you go. You got to make your way up there. It's pretty amazing. Jeez, I, I'd probably like faint or die or something of pure excitement. <laughs> I'm just overflowed with joy that it kills me. <laughs> what a way to go, though. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that takes care of our feature topic for this week and takes us into our news. But literally, I think it was the day after this, because I was on such a Batman high, <laughs> as you can imagine from that whole tour experience. I think the following day, we got some got where we're going to stress potential big DC movie news where pretty much a bombshell got dropped if it ends up being true where over at uh, NikkiFink.com who I believe used to be a reporter from Deadline or actually she was the founder of it and then she branched off to her own website and this was like her first big scoop for a new site where she says that she has the list of movies that DC is going to announce at Comic-Con and their planned release dates and so of course she says that this is what they have planned, and things are in flux where they can change, and things can be rearranged. But for right now, what she knows anyway, this is what the list entails. So I'll just read it off first. May 16, of course, we know we're getting Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. July 2016 is Shazam. Christmas 2016 is Sandman. Then in 2017 in May, we got the Justice League movie. July 2017 is Wonder Woman. Christmas 2017 is the Flash and Green Lantern team up. And then May 28 or 2018, we get the sequel to Man of Steel 2. So this definitely caught me by surprise. And when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this is too good to be true. I was skeptical then, and I still remain somewhat skeptical now because it's <laughs> so out of the norm for Warner Brothers and what they do. But as we were talking about with Comic-Con before, this is a chance to step up and do something really big. So I'm hoping it's true, but... Part of me is still pretty skeptical, or I don't know if it's going to happen. But what was your reaction, Cross, when you first heard this news? It was the same as, as yours. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of I, I've become a little bit jaded to any of these kinds of rumors. You know that because it seems like every day somebody else has the the new scoop yep. of of what's happening, and you know this person's going to play this character, or you know. Oh, then he's gonna have long hair and uh, and uh, you know whatever, and it's it's just every day it's something and you know and I I watch it because I'm a nerd and I wanna you know I I get excited by it too I think uh, this film slate sounds really cool it sounds awesome um, I hope it's true um, I, I find it I think the the interesting ones for me are. Um, Shazam and Sandman in between Dawn of Justice and Justice League mm-hmm. if, if it ends up being true. Not that I have a huge affinity for either one of those characters, um, but I it's, you know, I find it interesting that those are the two characters they're choosing to introduce, again, if it's true, that those are the two characters they would choose to introduce before Justice League. Um, it almost seems like it would make more sense to have Green Lantern Flash in there or um, or whoever. Whoever ends up being in that final lineup of Justice League where you're building up towards the Justice League. Now, and Shazam may very well be 
a part of that lineup. I have a hard time imagining Sandman being involved in mm-hmm. in Justice League. So that one really is kind of out there to me. Um, again, great comic book series, but it, it just it doesn't feel like it's part of the Justice League vernacular. Um, but you know, I'm I'm on board. A, you know, Green Lantern Flash movie could be really cool. Wonder Woman, you know, could be really cool. I'm excited to see what what Gal Gadot looks like as Wonder Woman. Um, like everybody else, um, I was hoping to see if this is the film slate. I, I got to admit, I was hoping to see more of a Batman presence in there. But I guess you know, Batman will be in obviously. Batman Superman and then Injustice League. So we'll get two Batman films and then I'm I'm hoping there's a there's a, a, a you know, more Batman solo films to come. Um which I guess I, I believe is part of our next, you know, uh rumor. Um but I don't know. I mean I hope it's true. It sounds cool. I I would totally go see all those movies. I know that the Shazam thing is interesting because I mean, The Rock had been long rumored to be involved with yeah. something, <laughs> yep. and and you kind of look at The Rock, and you look at Shazam, and you look or you look at Black Adam, and you go, I could see him being either one of those guys easily. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the whole eyebrow, and <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. I, I could see either one of them because he's he's kind of played both characters. And, I mean, he's been the kind of the the rough, edgier guy, and but he's also been kind of the fun loving you know, Rock, who's been a little more warm-hearted. So I, I could see him playing either one of those characters. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and the big thing that makes me a little skeptical about this is not necessarily the movie titles, but the release dates, because that seems like way out of what Warner Brothers normally does, to have potentially three movies a year. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, they really want to up Marvel if that's really their plan, if this ends up being true. It's but, aggressive. Yeah, I mean, just to have, like you said, you got Batman v Superman, Shazam, Sandman, and then the year that Justice League comes out, that's going to be a big year if all this stuff pans out, where you got Justice League, and then immediately after that, we're going to get our third look at uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in her solo movie. And I have to say that out of this list, Wonder Woman and Flash and Green Lantern are the ones that I really hope end up being true, and the ones I'm most excited about, because of course, I mean, it's right. about time for Wonder Woman. I mean, way past time, so... It'll be great right. if she finally does get her own solo movie and that uh, she's good in Batman v Superman and Justice League, and it's a great portrayal. And then if every, the audience likes her and comic book fans likes this portrayal, they'll definitely be excited to finally see a solo Wonder Woman movie. And it'll be great if it's really just two months after Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> well, well if, it's all, if all this ends up being true, I mean, take a look at this this decade, just as a fanboy, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, we know the we know the the basic idea of what, what Marvel is doing, if this ends up being true with, um, you know, the DC line of films, and we know Star Wars has an incredibly aggressive uh, oh. slate of films coming. I mean, this is awesome. Like, this is this is what you've wanted your whole life. Like, yep. this decade is amazing if you're a fanboy. it's I mean, it doesn't get any better. If, every year we're getting... You know, two Marvel movies, two two DC movies, a Star Wars movie. I'm 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 good. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Keep them coming. Exactly. There's never gonna be a dull year or month for that matter. Maybe it might be a good movie every month to see. Yeah, this is so awesome. Like I said, hopefully it just ends up being true. And I think 
See, I think three movies a year might be too much to expect from Warner Brothers, giving the track record. But if they at least do what Marvel does and get two superhero movies out in a year, that's going to be enough for me, definitely. And just for all the other reasons you mentioned, all the other cool stuff, the Marvel movies, and of course the Star Wars stuff. I mean, it's going to be awesome. So that's why I'm still skeptical, but still hoping it's true because, uh, just, like I said, it would be a perfect time to be a geek and just a nerd who's into all this stuff. But I like the point you said, uh, as fans our age growing up, being fans of these characters as our lives as little kids. I mean, I don't know about you, but I never dreamed we'd get stuff like this. I mean, seeing the first 89 Batman movies and those movies were something like good enough and all we could expect. And no way would I ever dreamed of living in a time period where we are now where there's tons and tons of superhero movies to see. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. And, you know, I've heard, um, I've heard Kevin Feige from Marvel Studios um, say that he doesn't believe in um, tiers of characters mm-hmm. that it's it's their job as filmmakers to make everybody every character an A list and you think about what they did with with Iron Man right and how yeah. everybody in the world now knows who Tony Stark is and everybody knows who Iron Man is and now they're taking a very obscure group of characters in oh, the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy and and people are pumped about it and so you look at characters like uh, Shazam and Sandman who are you know way lesser known, um, unless you're, you know, a comic book nerd and you know who those characters are. But uh, the general public doesn't know who they are. Um, but if they do their job right, then the, those become A-list characters, and they all are great movies. And, hey, you know what? The way I look at it is, you know, Marvel is in a very different pos- position from DC because, you know, I mean, well, sort of. I mean, because Marvel, Studio, Marvel Studios is an entity. Right, and they're creating their group of films, and there isn't a DC Studios. So I think that's the, that's the the difference. It, it's all it's it's Warner Brothers that's making this film. So Warner Brothers is going to release a number of films anyway. So having three DC films is not necessarily overburdening them with content. Because they're going to put out probably that number of movies anyway. Yeah, true. But it it's just now instead of doing whatever romantic com- comedy, you slot in uh, Sandman, right? And you have a, a team that's on that. So I, I think it's it's a little bit of a different situation from what from Marvel's relationship is with with Disney. Yeah, totally. It was funny as I was taking the tour for the Batman exhibit. We were driving around. Warner Brothers Studio in the tram, which, by the way, was all decked out in Batman logos and stuff, which is cool. We were driving by a theater, and it said, like, on the marquee, it said, like, stockholders meeting this Friday. And, like, the tour guy was like, oh, I'm dreading that meeting. It's a big meeting with all the big shots coming. (laughs) And then after they had that meeting, we heard reports from there where the shareholders were asking, like, the Warner Brothers executive, like, we're a little disappointed with how you're, like, handling their DC Comics properties, and we feel you're behind when, like, what Marvel is doing and all that. And they were saying... Like, we're reassuring you, like, the stuff we have planned and what we have yet to announce is going to make you happy and proud of our movie slate for these comic book characters. So, hopefully that leaves more credence to this list and to the plans that they have because, yeah, they really do need to step it up on that front. That's, that's why I'm excited about this list where it's like, yeah, they are finally stepping it up. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of uh, Comic-Con in, in just another month. We'll have the answers, hopefully, to some of these questions. Yeah, the one thing I want to talk about real quick about this list, and maybe one thing I'm potentially worried about, was about uh, the Flash and Green Lantern team up. I mean, 
I want to see a Flash movie so bad and Green Lantern get another shot. But when the Flash TV series was first announced, I had the reaction where, oh, man, I wanted to see a movie instead of a TV show because the budget isn't going to be as big and maybe the effects won't be as cool as it can be in a high-budget movie. But I'm all on board for this series. I, the trailer was awesome for it. I love uh, Grant Gustin's portrayal of Barry Allen in the two Arrow episodes, so I'm all pumped up for it. But still, it's still a part of me that still wants to see a Flash movie. And one thing that has me concerned is that there's been talk going around since this announcement of this list came out that the Flash and Green Lantern team-up movie might be a made-for-TV movie based off the TV show where they're going to bring Green Lantern into that universe. And then there's the whole speculation going on. Is the DC movie universe going to tie into the TV universe with Flash and Arrow? And I'm of the opinion that I would love to see that. That'd be great to have them inter- like connect with each other. But then there's also part of me thinks that maybe they are going to be separate because they have been known to do that before. They don't like having two different versions of the same character on screen and TV. And that they might leave Flash and Green Lantern out of their movie plans and out of the Justice League. That's something I'd be really, really disappointed about if Flash and Justice League aren't part, or Flash and Green Lantern aren't part of the Justice League. Because to me, it wouldn't be the Justice League if they're not in it. So that's just a potential worry I have, where if the Flash and Green Lantern team up movie is just for TV and they're keeping them separate from the DC movie universe, not that means they won't be in Justice League or part of the cinematic universe. It's just a concern now that I have in my head, which we'll find out, but. I just really want to see Green Lantern and Flash as part of the Justice League in a movie so bad. I just hope they don't get left out because of the TV show. Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to imagine a Justice League movie without those guys. I mean, they're if you if you imagine your your Mount Rushmore, right? Like, yeah. if you're kind of if you're going to carve the Justice League faces into that mountain, those guys are in it. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine them not being in it. I mean, maybe maybe they won't be, but I, I. I doubt it. The only other theory I have, too, which might happen, where if they do want to keep this TV universe and the movie universe separate, since there have been different characters who play Flash and Green Lantern, they just use a different version of those characters. Like maybe we'll see Jon Stewart or Kyle Reiner in the movies and Wally West in the movies while they say Barry Allen and Hal Jordan for the TV shows. So That's interesting. Yeah, that's possible. I'd be happy with that route, too, because I just think it'd be a waste if we don't see the awesome powers of Flash and Green Lantern that put display on the screen, because we've seen cool stuff in the Avengers and in the Marvel movies with all the heroes displaying their cool power, then it would just be disappointed if they don't see Green Lantern and Flash display theirs. Right, yeah. And, you know, I um, admittedly, I, I have I have seen the Flash pilot. Oh, nice. Uh, um, and, I mean, the the effects look fantastic. I mean, when he, when he runs, it looks, it looks amazing. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be very cool. And, and it definitely, it, if you like Arrow, I think you'll really like, um, Flash. They definitely gel well together. So I'm, I, I'm excited to hear what people think of it. Um, looks cool to me. So. Cool. I'm glad to hear you like it because I was really blown away by the trailer. I was not expecting it to look that good. I mean, that scene where Professor Zoom is in his house where is the murder of his mother. I was like shocked it looked that good. Like, right, that looked awesome. <laughs> it's like, man, I yeah, can't wait yeah. to see that. So glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if they are connected. Um, I think one of the things that was kind of cool with Marvel and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the feeling that, you know, and I know S.H.I.E.L.D. had, you know, mixed reviews at, at, at points. Um, I think it really started to find its footing towards the end of that first season yeah. and kind of figure out what it, what that show wanted to be. And, and I mean, America too. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think, I think the Captain America film 
really, or, you know, the Winter Soldier really gave S.H.I.E.L.D. the identity it needed. Um, because I was, I was having a hard time with it early on trying to connect it to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe and believe that these, this little group here is part of the larger S.H.I.E.L.D. organization. And because you only saw them really kind of connect back to, you know, the mothership, so to speak, you know, every so often. And, and you wanted them to feel like they were part of something bigger. And then once the Winter Soldier happened, and with, the, you know, the breakdown of S.H.I.E.L.D., you're like, oh, this is perfect for this show. Yep. Because now you're a group on the run, and you don't have to connect back to that mothership. You can, you know, coexist with your little band of band of brothers here. And, and, and the fact that – so after you saw the Winter Soldier, and to connect that immediately the very next week and be able to watch into S.H.I.E.L.D. and continue that same story and see – Maria Hill and see Nick Fury eventually down the line. Uh, I really feel like this is an ongoing saga. And I think that's what Marvel has done brilliantly. And, uh, if, if, admittedly, I, I, I think I might be a little bit disappointed if it's not connected to the DC, uh, universe because I do enjoy Arrow and I did like Flash. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if they have the same feel as the cinematic. Um, as as Man of Steel, and uh, you know what we're seeing of of uh, Batman Superman, but I don't know who knows, right? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I just try to imagine that lineup, and I'm like, does does Grant Gustin's Flash look like he can stand next to Affleck and Cavill and Godot? Does he look like he's part of that same vocabulary, visual vocabulary? I don't know. I, I, I think I think when I look at him in Arrow, there's a very specific look. Almost, you mean go back to Smallville, right? Mm-hmm. When that when that lineup was all together, you, there's a visual vocabulary for how they represented the the heroes on, in Smallville. You know, it was it was kind of the color scheme of the hero you knew in like a leather jacket of some kind with a hood. And, and that was, that, but that's how they interpreted their characters, right? That's how they delivered on superheroes. Love it or hate it. And then you look at Green Arrow and you go, wow, they've really embraced the, the comic bookness of it, the, the superhero costume and the whole bit, and then Flash even more so. But you look at them and you go, there's a, there's a language, a visual language that's happening between Arrow and Flash that they look like they belong in the same world. And now you look at, you know, cinematically, you look at Henry Cavill's Superman suit, and now what we know of of, of Batfleck, and you go, hey, there, there's a visual vocabulary happening there too, where you, these guys look like they're almost in the same, they're in the in the same uh, thing together. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but no, I guess so. Yeah. So I, I don't know that. The Arrow and Flash look like they are part of that cinematic universe to me, from looking from the outside, just visually speaking. Yeah, I've heard that too from some people who really don't want to see it, and that's kind of the reasoning why. I just think, though, like you mentioned with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movies, how cool it was to kind of continue on with that story from The Winter Soldier. I think DC has the chance to take that type of story down to the next level, because instead of seeing... Um, characters who aren't like main characters in the movies or familiar comic book characters. DC had that chance to do that where we see them in Justice League, but then like the same characters you love in there 
which are like the mutant comic book characters, like the Flash and Green Arrow, you get to continue seeing them on in their own TV shows, which I think would just be really cool. And like I said, take that um, interaction between TV and movie storytelling to the next level, and that'd be like a great thing, in my opinion, for them to do, and just hopefully break new ground with that, because it'd be really cool if they did that. But like you said, too, we'll see if they all end up meshing up together, like I said, with the looks and everything, and the actors and stuff, with the movies and the TV shows that like, syncing together. So I think it potentially could be something awesome, but we'll see if it's something that they'll do. But I know we said our, uh, the fact that they have all these movies planned for one year or something that's totally, like, not familiar with Warner Brothers, doing something where the TV shows and movies connect is something that you wouldn't expect them to do either. So they yeah, just have to wait and see, but I'm hoping they will. But yeah, I mean, we, but hey, it's, it's, it's an, it's an embarrassment of, of amazing, great content. It's an embarrassment of Rich's here as fans. I mean, we get so many great, you know, the Marvel movies are, are cranking and they've been fantastic. And now the, the DC stuff is getting going, Star Wars. And then you go TV, you go, wow, this is such an awesome time on TV too. We're, we get great shows like The Walking Dead and Arrow, and now we're going to get Flash and Gotham and yep. um, and I Zombie, and you go they, they just keep cranking these things out. Oh, and we got Agent Carter, you know, and then the Netflix stuff with Daredevil and the Defenders, and like this is awesome. We're like, not going to read comic books anymore. <laughs> like my head is going to explode with how cool this is. I know, seriously. And so if DC goes that route, yeah, just more good stuff to add to that mix. <laughs> But I will say, too, another thing that made me skeptical about this list was that, okay, where's the Batman movie? Like you mentioned earlier, I don't don't see how DC can have a four-year plan of movies lined up without a Batman film, because that is their cash cow. (laughs) But then after I had that skepticism, a rumor came out a few days ago from the king of all rumors, Latino Review. (laughs) This guy. Yeah. These ones I always take (laughs) for grains of salt. (laughs) But they're saying yeah. that Warner Brothers' plan is for the first Ben Affleck solo Batman movie to come out in 2019 after that list. So if that list ends up being true, then this report ends up being true, then you can kind of see why they left it off. And I'm kind of thinking where – because there's not too much information to this report, just that the plan is to have it in 2019. I think Ben Affleck, after – Batman vs. Superman and Justice League is going to do another project that he's going to write and direct. So 2019, I guess, wouldn't make sense for the next Batman film. I guess just since it's still sort of close to Christopher Nolan's trilogy, if they for the first few years to keep Batman only in team-ups, like Batman v. Superman and then Justice League, and then when we're in 2019, which is like a long time after uh, Nolan's trilogy, we finally get the first solo Ben Affleck Batman movie. If they still want to keep his solo outing spread out from what Nolan did and still kind of have him made it mainly feature in the team up films, kind of pretty much how Robert Downey Jr. just contracted for the next two Avengers movies. Maybe Ben Affleck was just mainly contracted for team up films and later on they'll work something out for a solo film. Who knows? But that's the rumor for it. We'll see if it ends up being true like the other reports. Well, I mean, you know, again, I, I hope it's true. I love the title. I think the the Batman yeah. would be a great way to go. I mean, if you ever if you ever heard Michael Uslan talk, you know that he he's always preaching about how his Batman is the Batman, and um, uh, so I think that would be that would be a great new direction to take it. Um, the timing, I think, actually syncs up because you, you, you think about it, we're going to get two years back to back of Ben Affleck as Batman. We get Batman vs Superman, and we get Justice. Oh wait, we get Justice League in seventeen, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so we so there's a year you know in between. So you got you know Batman Superman in, in 15 and then or 16. Gosh, my dates are all messed up. <laughs> Batman Superman in 16. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, Batman Superman in 16. <laughs> the very next year we get him in Justice League, and then a year off, and then supposedly I mean that's that would be aggressive. That's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of Batman, but uh. Hey, I mean, I'm all for it. I hope Affleck's game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that Batman won't show up in some small cameo in Man of Steel too, because <laughs> they've been teamed up. For who knows, time. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, but uh, I think that would be great. But then again, I only have to go watch it. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's another thing too, real quick. Where in that list it says Man of Steel two for 2018. I guess if this does end up being true, we can finally stop referring to Batman vs Superman as the Man of Steel sequel because I know Warner Brothers has still been kind of pushing it as that, where it's still a sequel to Man of Steel, where everyone's saying, no, this is just a Justice League setup movie now with all these characters uh, reportedly supposed to be in it. So maybe we'll yeah, man. the full Make series. no mistake. This is this is Justice League episode one. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the title, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> right. It's like, we, we, I mean, that title, I mean, they had, they checked every box. Yeah. We, we've got <laughs> Batman and Superman and Justice and at the beginning and it's all in there. Heavy. Yeah. <laughs> they should have put a W instead of the V just to symbolize Wonder Woman or something. <laughs> I know. I know. Poor Gal Gadot. She's the only one not represented, but yeah. whatever. But then she gets course, her movie. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Then, of course, speaking of Batman versus Superman and talking about how all these characters are coming in. There's another report, which a lot of people are saying is confirmed, but Warner Brothers still hasn't officially said it is, is that Jason Momoa is going to be playing Aquaman in Batman v Superman, and probably, assumingly, Justice League, you would think, too. But I just this one just I find funny because he's been linked to this role like way early on, and he's denied it and denied it, and like even stopped people like, stop asking about this, I'm not Aquaman and all that stuff. And then we find out, oh, yeah, he's going to be Aquaman. <laughs> It's just funny too because even on he was on Jimmy Kimmel like two nights ago as we're recording this episode. Yes, yes. He asked him about it. He's like, "Well, I have a printout right here that says you're Aquaman. Like, are you?" He's like, "Well, it would be pretty cool if it was." So they're like, "Okay, there you go." <laughs> He's dodging the question, not denying it, just kind of leading towards it. So even though Warner Brothers hasn't said it, I'm totally expecting that he's going to be Aquaman now. I think it's a really, actually, think it's a really cool choice. I, if you're going to. Uh, kind of reinvent yeah. that character um and you know you uh let's be honest you get a little bit of diversity in the in the lineup mm-hmm. um it's it's a it's a bit whitewashed um you know the the traditional justice league you know granted you know if unless they do john stewart green lantern then you get you know another ethnic character in there uh or a little racial diversity which i think is is a good thing um, but if you're going to reinvent Aquaman, I could see him as kind of this more Islander, um, you know, kind of the tattoos. And uh, I don't know. I could, I could buy that. He's kind of a warrior type guy. I, I don't know. I could see it. And maybe maybe give him a little bit of uh, kind of, uh, you know, sun, sun-dyed sun hair a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, just, I mean, it's not blonde, blonde. Yeah, like, I thing. don't bleach it. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I can I I can buy it, and I think he could be a really I think it could be a really cool new reinvention of the character 
If it ends up being true, if it ends up being true, I, I my prediction, and you heard it here first, I think he's going to be a breakout character and people will really dig him. Yeah, I think that's their plan, too. They really want to make Aquaman kind of like, I don't know if it's the Batman or Superman or Justice League, but they probably really want to make him the standout character and the one you walk away from. Like, man, that scene with Aquaman was just the coolest part of the movie. And, right. It, it's almost like, you know, after you saw Avengers, right? Yep. And you go, well, I just watched Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, but but Hulk stole the show. He was the one I wasn't expecting to be so awesome. And and then you, you think about this, and this guy who's a, a very uh, very likable, very cool, very dark um, actor uh, portraying this character who's kind of been the butt of the joke for a long time. But now suddenly he gives us there's this uh, gravity to the to that character where he's just really really cool. Um, I can imagine him being that surprise. Hit. Yeah, I just keep imagining that awesome scene in Justice League number one from the new Fifty Two, or not number one, but in the first few issues of Justice League where he like they ask him, "Oh, what can you do?" and he calls up that great white shark and just chomps on those parademons that are right above him, or awesome. something like that. So awesome! Jeez, that'd be really cool to see. But I agree with what you said of how. I could see him as Aquaman, or not the Aquaman that we know from the comics, but just a different take on it, which I could see, though. He just has, like, that exotic look. He looks like he could be somewhat <laughs> under the sea and the king of the Atlanteans. He just has that look, like you said, where it'll be different, but you could still see it. And I think, Yeah, he, it's more of an islander yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, I just think, like you said, they're not going to go – they probably won't have the orange shirt and the green pants and the light blonde hair that we're used to seeing, but we'll probably see elements of that. Like you said, maybe it's like a little sun-dyed or some, like, dirty blonde hair or something like that where it's not too obvious yeah. when they're trying to make it look like him, but not to the character that we're familiar with. So, yeah, the only thing is we'll see, because this report is supposedly for that he's going to be in Batman v Superman. So the question is just how much is it going to be, like, an end credit scene, a cameo, or is he going to come in the big end fight sequence with Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman? I mean, who knows, but we'll see what type of uh, – appearance is going to have if it's going to be something where they're just saving for Justice League, which I probably think there is because Cyborg is supposed to be in Batman v Superman too. So I think for those two characters, it's just going to be short introductions or cameos or like Easter egg type things for the fans. And so we'll be seeing fully on in Justice League. Yeah, who knows? I, yeah, it's exciting. I, I'm I, With all of this, though, I'm, I'm taking it for a grain of salt until I see an official announcement. Yeah. That's the way to go by with these things because They've been wrong plenty of time. <laughs> but it's it. fun for us to speculate as fans. I think that's what we do, right? Oh, yeah. And, and analyze and complain and rejoice and cry, and we get to do all those things. That's our right. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like you said, hopefully we'll get confirmation and all this stuff in just a few weeks or months when Comic-Con comes around, because this is the type of stuff they probably will announce. So I'm kind of expecting maybe uh, announce like official announcement for Just Lee, maybe an official date, and characters who are going to be in it, and maybe we'll get the official casting of, like, Jason Momoa as Aquaman and whatever character they have planned. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I don't want to go too crazy. That goes back to the list, too, where I remember last year, right before Warner Brothers had their panel, there was a report. I forget who broke it for us, but they were saying a Flash movie is going to get announced. They're going to announce Justice League here, and I think Wonder Woman was on there, but I wasn't sure, but then all they announced was the Batman versus Superman team-up, which was awesome, but was expecting to hear those other movies get announced because it was like hours before they went on. So it could yeah. just be a one movie thing where they'll announce Justice League and maybe get some cast members up there. 
but again, who knows? We'll just have to wait. Uh, but I'm excited. I know. Month, <laughs> one more month. That's all we have to wait. I know. It's going to be... It's gonna, they, uh, DC and Marvel usually has their on the same day, right? At least on past Comic-Cons, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it's, it's usually... Yeah. I don't want to give anything up, but I, I know when I'll be sitting and waiting for Hall H. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Not that day when it, when it happens, just to see if all the stuff pans out. And hopefully... We won't get ourselves too built up and excited, and then when they don't announce all, we get disappointed. And then I'll, fi- I'll finally get to meet you, Tim. That, that's when we'll finally get to meet face-to-face. <laughs> well, I should say right now I'm talking like I'm going, but I'm not going to college. You're not going? <laughs> still haven't been to one, and I still can't make it up there again. But I'm still excited even though I'm not going to be there. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding. Uh, there's just something about conventions that where it's like, they're awesome, I know, but oh, just somewhere I don't get the need or like real passion to go there and just experience it yet. Uh, my first, you've, you've got to go to San Diego. You've got, you've got to do it. It's, it's a blast. It's crazy. It's, there, it's a sea of humanity like you've never probably yeah. experienced. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's the energy is so fun. You know, and if you've ever, you know, camped out for a for a midnight screening of a movie or, you know, anything like that where you're just kind of inundated with people that are like-minded, then Comic-Con is, is for you because it's, it's you know, um, I think we, I mean, through the Internet and things like podcasting and social networking, we've become more aware of, of other like-minded individuals now. But I still think there's something to the convention and making real – human connections with people that that love and are passionate about the same things that we are and that's what i love about it and you know i've i've gone to san diego every year since i was 12 years old and i uh and i'm I'm 36 now so i've I've been going a long time um and it's changed a, a lot um the very first time i went i went to go meet um uh todd mcfarland and that was why I, I went and, and, uh, it was, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, I was hooked, you know, because I was getting to meet people that were creating the stuff that I loved, um, you know, the comic books at the time. And now it's just, it becomes so much more. And, you know, I go to some of the smaller conventions as well, you know, because I, sometimes I enjoy just going to, you know, comic book conventions and, and getting to meet comic book creators, um, but now you know you know San Diego's just such a it's such a beast and um it's a lot of fun and I know you know there are people that complain about it and you know but for me it's it's still such a huge mecca you know of of geek pop culture and everyone's there and it's it's a blast so if 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 you only go once you need to make sure you do it cuz it's it's it is it is a blast and it's an experience for sure I gotta put it on my to-do list. I mean, my first real big convention is gonna be next year when I go to Celebration Anaheim. That's gonna be like my first full like attending of like four-day convention. So there you go, there you go. It'll give me a taste. But I guess after that, I gotta put Comic Con on there next. (laughs) Well, hopefully I'll be at Celebration. I'm planning on being there. So another thing gets me is like I'm afraid when I go to Comic Con because the main thing I really want to see are of course those awesome panels. And I always hear, oh, you gotta pretty much spend your whole day waiting online just to get in those panels. And it's like, that's all you're there for. It's just waiting online for that one big panel on certain days. Uh, sometimes I, you know, I think you, you know, the more you go, the more you kind of, um, 
more you kind of understand the the, the rhythm of Comic Con and kind of the flow and how to navigate um, the floor and the, and get to the panels and know where the panels are and what kind of panels are are going to be huge draws and which ones you which ones you may need to camp out for overnight, you know and um, and it's it, it gets bigger and bigger every year and um, you know Hall H has is is where all these big panels are and that's that's always just a monster and um, you need to be really committed if you're if you want to get into those get into those panels and but then there's some other smaller ones that you know don't um, you know don't require you know that level of commitment that you know you can show up some of them right before they start. Uh, some of them you need to wait an hour for or a couple hours or whatever. It just, it just kind of depends. But, you know, it, you kind of can gauge your own fandom. What, what Comic-Con has done really well in, in years past and really well for them in terms of managing, you know, crowd flow um, is offering <laughs> very appealing programming at the same times. Mm-hmm. So you're forced to make a decision. You know, so you uh, can't – It's a, it's impossible for you to go to everything, right? You know, even everything that you that you really love, um, you know. But if you say hey, these two things, you know, I, I really love The Walking Dead, but I also really love, you know, whatever Big Bang Theory, you know, I've got to pick, you know, and and that and those big things will will break up the crowd a little bit. So they're they've been smart about programming it that way. Um, in the last few years, trying to pick up the crowd a little bit, it's still chaos. But it's, but that's it's, what I'm but it's about. so much fun. That's not worried about celebration in a way where there's going to be two awesome Star Wars panels that are going to be at the same time. Like, oh, I got to make a decision. Which one do I really want to see? Yeah. <laughs> well, that will happen because it's only Star. It's 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 all Star Wars. But I I think with you know if celebrate if, I think this next celebration is going to be really big. Um, oh yeah. Um, because of the excitement for Episode Seven, but. Um, but I went to the celebration in LA a few years ago and it was very manageable. I mean, there's a lot of people there like any of these conventions, but it's, it wasn't overwhelming. Now, like granted, I think this one will be bigger because there is more hype and excitement for Star Wars right now and people want to know what's, what's coming. And, um, so it'll be, it'll be definitely be bigger. Um, but it's, but it's still, Star Wars, like it's still a very niche thing, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Comic Con is is Star Wars and Marvel and The Walking Dead and Batman and whatever and Harry Potter and Twilight, you know, and all that other nonsense, right? So it's 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 all those things. It's everything. It's anime and it's video games and it's it's everything. So it. It takes all those niches and puts them all in one big place, and that's why it's so crazy. Um, but I think when you break it up, you know, Celebration or or D23 or you know any of these smaller you know conventions, they're still big, but they're they're a fraction of what you're seeing in San Diego. Sure, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> so that's kind of like. It always makes me hesitant, but yeah, I gotta do it one of these days. It's almost one of those. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's like one of those. It'll be great. You can't call yourself a, like a fanboy or a dirt if you don't go to one Comic Con or something. <laughs> so I gotta definitely. Give me, give me a call. I'll help you out. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll navigate the floor. It'll be, it'll be awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'll have you be my Jedi master, and I'll be your Padawan for the convention. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. Cool. <laughs> 
All right, so yeah, we got all that stuff to look forward to, hopefully in a month, but that's, that's pretty much it for the big news that we've had the last few weeks. So we can go ahead and get into our conversation with Alex and listener feedback section. So Alex sent us an email, as usual. Thanks, Alex. He starts off by saying, hello, gentlemen. Thanks for another batacular episode. In regards to Lawrence Lester acting, which we talked about, <laughs> me and Dave had a debate on last episode, says, I thought the voice was too old sounding for Robin. You can really hear it in the strange secret of Bruce Wayne when Dick reveals his Bruce Wayne disguise. I still think he's a good voice actor, but I understand where Dane was coming from. I thought Lester's voice fit much better for Nightwing and the older Robin and old wounds. I guess I'm going to surprise you because I like it's never too late better than Robin's reckoning. Uh, Alex disappointed me with this one. <laughs> That's two times I've been surprised where Dane and now Alex is saying they had some issues with Lawrence Lester's voice acting, which I don't want to hear. <laughs> he goes on to say, I actually prefer both of your second favorite episodes that you chose, Appointment in Crime Alley and Two-Face Part 1. I love the more grounded episodes that don't deal with the superhero aspects, like the previously mentioned and the forgotten. Tim, I would recommend you holding off on getting the PS4. Like Dane, mine has become a big dust collector. E3 showed off a lot of great games, but they're all coming out next year. You may want to wait for the bundle was one of your most anticipated releases. Metal Gear Solid 5 and Batman Arkham Knight are my big ones. Yeah, I still haven't got a next-gen console, and I thought this was going to be here for Arkham Knight, but that got delayed, so... I don't know, I'm trying to think of, because I really want to have one just to get part of the new generation of video games, but there's hardly any games coming out for it this year where it's like, eh, I could probably hold off, and still, because there's still some games I want to get for, like, the PS3 <laughs> coming out, which I still want to unhook it until I play that final game, which is Kingdom Hearts Part 2 HD remake, which I'm disappointed that I gotta wait till December now, <laughs> but, um, there's other games there I want to play on my old systems, but not yet on the next gen, so, yeah, maybe I'll take their advice and still hold off. <laughs> <laughs> then he said, do you guys see that rumored movie lineup? That's insane. <laughs> I find it interesting that the first solo movie is going to be Shazam, and there isn't a solo Batman movie in the list. I think it's great if they're focusing on their characters, since Batman's had it pretty darn good in the past years. I can't believe Flash and Green Lantern team up is on that list. What an age we live in. <laughs> the Wonder Woman movie is my most anticipated, even over Justice League. I always prefer intimate solo stories of heroes because they're usually more focused on the drama and plot. Yeah, so Alex pretty much is in agreement with what we were talking about, Cross is super excited for this if it's true and just can't believe we're in this age. I think that's going to be the mindset a lot of people are going to have, which hopefully they have. Hopefully we don't get – there might be some people out there superhero fatigue because I do hear that from time to time, but like, unlike you, just the more the better. Just bring them on. <laughs> for the most part, they're in good quality. Yeah, exactly. Hey, good movies are good movies. You know, as long as they're 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 good, bring them on. So exactly. Enjoy it because it, this 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 won't last. Eventually, you know, it'll it'll probably you know things go in waves, and you know something else will will become popular, and you know a new batch of filmmakers will come in and do other things. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, you know, but uh, you know you know everything kind of goes goes in goes in waves. But uh, I hopefully. The, the kind of genre films are are here to stay because I think these are these are beloved characters and they continue to get reinvented every few years as well so that we get new new creators telling telling new stories so I you know I'm gonna contradict myself yeah. <laughs> these are gonna go on forever it's awesome and even if they don't we'll have plenty and plenty of Blu-rays or whatever media is out at that time to go back and watch all these awesome movies exactly it's awesome. Yeah. So his questions are, what is your favorite theme from a comic book movie in the past decade? 
Mine is Rise from The Dark Knight Rises. I'll never forget the audience cheering as soon as it started playing in the theater. You knew Batman was going to save the day, but the strings gave a haunting vibe, foreshadowing that it might not end well for him. That's a good one, Alex. I remember hearing that piece of music before I actually saw the movie when the soundtrack came out beforehand. Or like, uh-oh, like this music is ominous. Like <laughs> that's where it really made me think, I don't know if Batman's gonna make it. But yeah. for me, I think I'll have to go with the main Man of Steel theme. I just loved it, and it's so hard to top. I, I'm not even gonna say it top John Williams' classic Superman thing. I think that's always gonna be his ultimate music theme, but. It did the job where it was different, but yet still one that gets stuck in your head, and it felt like a Superman theme. I thought it was great from the first time I heard it from the trailer, so I'd probably go with that one for my favorite music theme for the past decade from a superhero movie. How about you, Greg? From the, from the past decade, um, I think I really, I really love what was done with the Joker. Um, in, in the Dark Knight, where it was just kind of that one solo note, it was really haunting, and it almost had the uh, the sound of an oncoming train, you know, that was just about the just about to hit you. If you've ever, you know, it's almost it's like that Doppler effect, you know, where it's yeah. it's building and then it boom, then it goes past you, and you know, and every time when you were watching the Dark Knight and you heard that. You're like, oh, something bad <laughs> is going to happen, and it's going to involve the Joker. So I think that was, I think that was my my most memorable of the past decade. Well, that's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second question is, which of the rumored movies are you most anticipating, and what villain would you like to see in that movie? Do you have any casting ideas for that hero or villain? I'm a big fan of Greek mythology and would love to see a similar interpretation of the new 52 Wonder Woman on the big screen. Viggo Mortensen is my pick for Ares. <laughs> um, Wonder Woman movie set like how it is in the New 52 would be awesome. I hope they go that route because I think that would be really cool to see. But as far as what villains I'd like to see, but the one I'm most excited about potentially, again, is uh, Green Lantern and Flash. And I don't know if I want to see like a team-up. I don't know if I want to see a team-up of a Flash villain or a Green Lantern villain. Maybe just pick one central villain for them to both face. I just come to mind is uh, – that Justice League episode, Brave and the Bold, where they teamed up, for the most part, with just them against uh, Gorilla Grodd. I think that would be something interesting to see, Gorilla Grodd, in a, one of these superhero movies. I mean, we're seeing how mm-hmm. uh, Great Dawn of the Planet of the Apes looks, so doing a good Grodd that like, looked like that would be pretty awesome to see. So <laughs> I think I'd go with that, see Gorilla Grodd in the Green Lantern and Flash team-up movie. Wow, that's a good one. Um, you know, Flash has a great, great, you know, uh, group of rogues. Um Gosh, can I can I use the Batman as a, as a rumored film? Yeah, sure, go for it. Why not? Okay. Well, I mean, if if that one ends up being true, then I think I'm I'm looking forward to seeing new interpretations of um, you know the classic Batman villains. I think those are always to me those are always my favorites. I think the the other villains. I mean, I I, I love them, but. Uh, it's it's the Batman villains for me, and I think I'd I'd really like to see some some new characters that um that we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, you look at like the uh, you know I've I've maintained that you know I, I love the Arkham series and that they're able to kind of create this hybrid of of realism and fantasy in a in a very modern and contemporary uh, way of, of of delivering you know you know the comic book Batman, but in a more gritty realized world. Um, and where things like Poison Ivy and, and Mr. Freeze and Bane uh, don't feel out of place. And I think so I'd like to see some 
some of that brought in to to a new Batman series. So I'd love to see a new interpretation of of Mr. Freeze and and Poison Ivy. Yeah, good interpretations on, on film <laughs> instead of what we got. That's the hope. Yeah, man, they're they're ripe for reinterpretation, right? But we've seen we've seen the Joker, you know, you know, twice now, uh, played by different actors, and we've seen Catwoman, and we've seen Two Face. Um, I love, you know, I'd love to see another take on the Riddler, and you know, um, it's you know, so I think some of those characters would be would be nice to see go up against Batman on uh, cinematically again. Oh yeah, you know they're going to happen too. They're just too good not to use again. So. Agreed. We're going to see them for sure. And his last question is, what is your most anticipated movie of the year? Mine is Interstellar. I don't know what it's about, who's in it, and I'm not a science fiction fan, but I know it's by Christopher Nolan, and that's all I need. I'm going to watch that film without any foreknowledge. Uh, for me, my most anticipated movie of the year is hands down Guardians of the Galaxy. I cannot wait for that movie. And honestly, I'm not someone who would say, oh, I've known the characters before the new, they were making the movie. It's going to be one of those things where, yeah, I've pretty much got found them out because of the movie, but then I went back and just recently read all their uh, comic runs from 2008, I believe, to 2009, 2010, and mm-hmm. I just love that series, and then this one, what I've seen in the trailers, I mean, it's looking really good, and this looks like it's going to be a fun movie, the characters look awesome, Rocket Raccoon is just going to steal the show, I think, <laughs> every clip I've seen of him, mm-hmm. this looks amazing, I just can't wait for that. I have a feeling that's the potential to be something really special for, like, the next big thing for Marvel. I'm just really anxious to see it, almost to the point where I don't want to see any more footage of it because uh, I don't want to get too spoiled on certain things and see everything yeah. in clips and commercials and trailers and all that stuff. But I just can't wait for it. Just, to me, it looks awesome. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I, Guardians of the Galaxy is for me. Um, I, I love Captain America, the Winter Soldier. That's that's my favorite film of the year uh, thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy looks, you know, I, I love the tone that they're going for. Um, you know, I, I, I know people that are, that are involved with the, with the film and they're very excited about it. Um, so I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, it's a fun challenge for Marvel to, to bring that cast of characters into the, into the public eye that are, you know, way lesser known, even in comic book circles. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're seeing the, uh, the Marvel syner- uh, synergy machine at play, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're seeing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, in the comic books have a very prominent uh, role, and we're seeing them in the animated realm, and um, and we're seeing them in, in merchandising, and now these these trailers, and I mean, the poster that has the Guardians and it just says "You're welcome" yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> that that tells me I I'm totally in. I get what these guys are doing. I love the vibe. It's I think it's going to be a really fun movie. So, yeah, Guardians for me as well. Cool, yeah. That's one I'm definitely going to either a midnight screening or I know some theaters around my era do like earlier screenings, like 7 or 10 o'clock showings. Like, yeah, I'm not going to wait for the weekend for that one. i got to see like the first screening they have as possible. <laughs> All right, so that does it for Alex's email. Thanks, Alex, as usual, for sending another good email. And next up we have one from Corbin who says uh, his title of his email is I'm taking a bye week since Magneto could clearly beat Vader, which if you heard our last episode, he's trying to find a character who could beat Darth Vader, but I've always shoot him down with reasons why they can't. And Magneto, we came to a tie. So I guess he's going to take a week off to think of his next opponent for him to face, but we'll see. I'm sure I can shoot it down just like I did his other three. <laughs> he goes, after watching volume one of the animated series recently, which has it's never too late, the most memorable for that, uh, the most memorable episode for me from that one is Heart of Ice, of course, the Mad Hatter episode. 
and the Mad Hatter episode. But my favorite is Two-Face Part 1 and 2. How fitting it is for the first two-parter. I love how they were able to portray Harvey as a genuinely good man, but he has another darker side that scares him. Of the two episodes you guys picked, I'm siding with him. Sorry, Dane. <laughs> so we got one with you, Dane, and then one with uh, for me, because we were speculating on the last episode. Dane was all, oh, they're all going to side with you, Tim, as they usually do. But <laughs> we're split <laughs> this one. Well, let me ask you, Cross. Maybe you could be the tiebreaker. We were debating on the last one, which is a better animated series episode. It's Never Too Late or Robin's Reckoning Part 1. Which one do you think? <laughs> I'll go with Robin's Reckoning. There you go, I guess. <laughs> I got two on my side now. <laughs> yeah. That is so good. Uh, well, if you could hear the last episode for my reasons why, but <laughs> totally agree with you, Cross. You made the right choice. All right. After giving it some thought, I don't know why I didn't uh, say that at this time of recording, maybe I was nervous <laughs> as he was on the episode uh, two weeks ago, or two episodes ago. But he says, my definitive Batman is the animated series version with Kevin Conroy. I always read Batman. Um, I always read Batman in his voice, which, yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure probably a lot of people do. And he says, Lego Batman looks awesome. I'll definitely get it if I catch a sale. I don't buy games when they are new, except for the Arkham games, which I can't get because I'm too poor for a PS4. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that when Corbin was on two episodes ago, where it's like, yeah, what we were just talking about earlier, you don't have to get one just yet. And hopefully by the time Arkham Knight comes out, maybe there'll be like a cheaper bundle or a price cut or something. You never know. <laughs> just got to wait and see. But he goes on to say, Alex asked a question as to what part of the Batman universe would you like to see explored more? Mine is actually the idea that I have if I were to ever write a Batman comic. It is to explore why people of Gotham have so much and have such extreme psychiatric problems. Is the city cursed? Is there a reason for this? That's what I would want to explore. I think it's a good avenue to explore, but I want to say that Scott Snyder's first one on uh, the Black Mirror with Dick Grayson is Dan. It kind of touched on that where, like, the city like, always has, like, that dark reflection of you where it's evil and they'll throw something out at you that you're not quite expecting. So I think if you haven't read that one, Corbin, maybe check it out, the, the Black Mirror where uh, Dick Grayson still is Batman, and it kind of has to do with the first reappearance of James Gordon Jr. into the Batman world. It's a great story, and it does kind of touch in on some of that stuff. So you should probably check that one out if you haven't read it yet. Then he goes on, I plan on getting the current uh, TMNT series in trade when I'm able. Even though it was never part of my childhood growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, I don't know if you're a big uh, Turtles fan, Cross, but... I've said on previous episodes how I think the new comic series is one of my favorite comics going on right now. They're just doing great stuff with it. So I'm encouraging Corbin to <laughs> read it. So hopefully he does. Yeah, I'll second that. I'm I, I'm not a huge Turtles guy, but I but I do read all the Turtles books because my, my coworker, uh, Jamie, he is, in addition to being a, a massive Batman fan, he's also a massive Turtles fan. And he uh, religiously buys all the Turtles books and we've, we have a little sharing, a comic book sharing system, uh, you know, I, cool. and, and uh, so whatever books he buys, he shares with me and, and vice versa. And uh, so I've been reading the Turtles books through him, and they've been they've been really entertaining. The, uh, the last, uh, I forget what the, the arc was called, it was, you know, uh, Leonardo uh, kind of being pulled to the dark side, yeah, if you will, City uh, momentarily. And it was, what was it called? City Fall. City Fall, yeah, great arc, beautiful arc. Um, so, yeah, I recommend it as well. Yeah, I mean... 
I just recently, like maybe in the last few years, my Turtle fandom just got reinvigorated by those comics and the new uh, series that's on Nickelodeon. It's like, so like I'm a hardcore getting all the comics and stuff right now. And I actually just got today in the mail like the ultimate visual history of the Turtles for the 30th anniversary. It's a really big book. It's really cool. Look at you. <laughs> like it'd be awesome if they put an even bigger book out for uh, Batman's 75th anniversary. <laughs> just like one big gigantic <laughs> thousand page book would be awesome. <laughs> Maybe on his 100th anniversary, we'll get that book. <laughs> <laughs> and he concludes by saying, hopefully I'll be able to come on the show again soon and not ruin Dane's internet. <laughs> Last time we were on, Dane's internet just died. <laughs> and we all blame Corbin. So, yeah, Corbin, you got to be nice to Dane's email the ne- or Dane's internet next time. <laughs> and then we got one final email from Jacob Mahan. And he goes on to say, well, I should say, Crods, if you didn't listen to our last episode where uh, Jake was going to embark on a new important project. This email is probably going to go over your head as far like, what is the heck is he talking about? Okay. <laughs> so I'll prepare you now. He goes, hello, gentlemen. By now you have already discussed the release of the DC movie schedule, and I agree with everything you guys said. <laughs> Tim was right on with his observation about one thing, and Dane could not have been more right on the direction Warner Brothers is going. <laughs> so I guess uh, Jacob is showing his powers of seeing into the future in our discussions. <laughs> Given that email came at three o'clock today. But he goes on to say, I think the movies I'm most intrigued about are Shazam and Sandman. I haven't heard much news related to those movies, but I have heard that Joseph Gordon Levitt might be starring and directing Sandman, and The Rock might be Black Adam and Shazam. It'll be interesting to see if they will be tied to the Man of Steel universe. Yeah, that's a big question, like we talked about, Sandman being the big one, because as we said, it's just the one character who doesn't quite seem to fit with all the other heroes, but we'll see. Okay, this is where the email where he goes on to say, I also have some news that might interest Corbin Dallas Poole since he's reviewing Future Zen for the Batman universe. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago called Welcome to the, That Whole Thing, a podcast recorded in Portland, and their guest for the episode was novelist Daniel H. Wilson. Wilson has a PhD in robotics and has written many novels about robots and their relationships with humans. Last summer, I read one of his books entitled Robopocalypse, and I enjoyed it immensely. And yes, some of the reading took place in a bathroom. It was a hospital room bathroom up in Seattle where my wife and I spent a week after she had a gastrointestinal procedure done. It was one of those European bathrooms where the toilet, sink, and shower are all in one room. And since it was in a hospital, it was kept very clean and well lit. Now, before I give the book and the bathroom a rating, I wanted to add a criteria to our bathroom scoring system. I think the one thing that was not mentioned that makes a great bathroom are its acoustics. <laughs> this bathroom was not very big, so the acoustics weren't that good. Nothing like what you would hear in a more cavernous uh, <laughs> one. So for my ratings, I'm giving Daniel H. Wilson's book four out of five times a robot claws into someone using co- <laughs> robot claws into someone causing a horrible death in the bathroom three out of five. The acoustics were what gave it the average rating. So, Cross, in case you're wondering why he's reviewing a bathroom, this is the assignment me and Dan gave him on the last episode, where he has to travel the world in different locations, given his review of Batman comics or books in bathrooms. Since we had a wide debate <laughs> many episodes ago saying uh, which bathrooms, public bathrooms are the cleanest. So now Jake is on the uh, report for this, letting us know. So we know that this one, in this uh, hospital is a clean one. So thanks for your report, Jake. Much appreciated. <laughs> wow. So he finishes by saying, so how does this pertain to my buddy Corbin? In the last three minutes of the podcast, Wilson tells the host that he has been writing for DC and his first issue of Futures End comes out in September. He did not say which story he is on, but he did say he's going to be the regular writer of the book along with writing Earth 2. 
Look for robots to be major players in the DC Comics. Thanks, and until next time. All right, as usual, thanks again, Jake, Corbin, and Alex for your emails. Keep them coming. And anyone else who wants to let us know feedback about the show, Batman, any topic, as obvious any topic is uh, good enough to read on our show, <laughs> no matter what it is. You can just say batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, we can go ahead and go into our comic book reviews for this episode. And for this episode, we're covering the weeks of June 11th and June 18th. For June 11th, we got Detective Comics number 32. June 18th, we got Batman and Rachel Ghoul number 32. And we'll be doing our Batman Eternal recap of issues 10 and 11. And we should say, as always, there's going to be tons of spoilers in these reviews. So if you haven't read the comics yet, you might want to hold off, read them, then come back and hear what we think. And for a rating scale for this episode, I was thinking as we were talking, and I was either going with one or the other, but I was probably thinking a good one would be years it's going to take for Tim to finally go to Comic-Con. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So we'll go ahead and kick our comic book reviews off with Detective Comics number 32. And I'll just go ahead and start off with this one by describing it in one word. And I'll just say beautiful, man. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love the artwork. So yeah. Francis Manipal and Brian Bouchard are just killing it with this. I usually someone who focuses more on the story and when I read comics and not be too critical of the art. I mean, if something's really bad that I don't like, I'll make a comment on it. But then when something's just as good as this, man, I, it's just the highlight of the issue. And I'll just go ahead and touch on some things with the story that I like. I just like how we're seeing two different aspects of how Batman and Bullock are kind of going about solving this case of the Icarus drug and the murder of Elena, who died at Batman's or Bruce Wayne's doorstep. They're both going about it different ways, but yet they just want to catch this guy. I just liked how both Brian Bouchelato and Francis Manipal went about showing the different aspects. We see Batman looking for evidence underneath the ocean, and we see him at the docks talking to Elena's daughter. I, I love that moment with the conversation that he had with her where she was kind of saying, why did me and my mother come here? She ended up dead to help this city that's already rotten to begin with. Batman's trying to like comfort her and saying, your mother was trying to do good. I do this because I believe I can make a difference. And she pretty much doesn't want to hear it. She's like, boy, if you were really making a difference, I can't even imagine what Gotham was like before you got here because it's pretty bad now. So I did like that conversation. And then through this panel, like this thought was really cool. It's pretty much showing what Bullock's doing in his downtime. It's two pages where we see Bullock's apartment, but they're all broken up into several panels. We're just showing the whole aspect of his apartment where there's tons of cats. And of course, Bullock doesn't have the cleanest apartment. <laughs> He's feeding his cats. The TV's on, there's food and clothes everywhere, but I just love how this whole, these two pages were laid out. Just again, showing the talent of the great artwork that Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato did on this book. So cool. Then there's another one that we're seeing a Bullock on his downtime, but preparing to go to work. Then we see Bat, like a, not two pages, but just one page of four panels of Batman on a rooftop in the red sky. You see just Bruce Wayne's face. The next panel, we see like a zoomed out shot of Batman on a rooftop. Then we see him put on the cow. And then the next last panel is him jumping off the roof. Just really awesome stuff. I just love looking at this issue. And then, so Bullock, and, or first Batman, is able to trace down what's the person behind the Icarus drug and the murder of Elena, who was called the squid. He tracks him down to an aquari aquarium, which reminded me of the episode of The Laughing Fish from Batman the Animated Series, where Batman takes on that shark. But this one, it's a giant a squid or an octopus that he's fighting. And again, more great artwork. I just love the panels of seeing Batman 
in that tank with that squid. It just looks really good, and just the, what Batman uses different uh, attacks to try to stop it with his electricity, and seeing his utility belt fly off in those panels where you just see Batman struggling against the squid, just laid out so perfectly. And then when it finally explodes, there's this great artwork, the top panels of the last few pages where it just has a big boom on there, but but an explosion of colors is what flies out on this page. It's just really great. So the issue ends with Batman being able to survive his encounter with the squid, but there's a rival gang who's there to take on the first gang who trapped Batman was there, so Batman's kind of caught in the middle, and that's where it ends. So story-wise, it's still holding my interest. I love the parallel with us seeing Batman and Bullock trying to solve this case, but, man, the art takes it to another level. So I'm going to go in and give it four and a half, out of five years it's going to take me to get to a Comic-Con because I think I'm going to give an extra that half point just for how amazing the artwork was. just really good. Yeah, I'm 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 totally with you. I don't, I don't know if I can add a, a whole lot more than what you just said because I mean that I, I'm absolutely on the same page. This is a a, a master class in, in crafting and comic book and uh, giving in your own spin but staying true to who the characters are um, you're getting to see, uh, you know, the detective side of, of Batman. You're getting to see Batman with a little bit of uh, heart. Um, you're getting to know more about Harvey Bullock, and I think that's going to be probably a theme throughout this next uh, year as we, as we you know, approach uh, the Gotham TV series. And yeah. He's going to be a big player. And if, if you are a fan of, of Batman the Animated Series, then I think you should absolutely be reading Detective Comics because this, it reads like an episode of, of, of Batman the Animated Series. And even the, to the point of having a villain called the Squid. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it sounds a little campy, but at the same time, it's, it's very much in that, the spirit of Batman, uh, I think, where you have characters like the Penguin and Catwoman, you know, and, and Professor Pig and, you know, uh, you know, any any animal you can name yourself after, yeah. killer croc. You know, uh, the list goes on. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm with you. This is it's, it's a beautiful book. It's a well crafted story. You're getting uh, to see uh, action and detective work. So I'm going to give it a five years until Tim goes to Comic Con. Nice. <laughs> Am I using that grading system properly? I don't even know. I don't think we've ever really said the exact wording that we first come up with for a rating system. So as long as you get the point across, it's fine. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. All right. So that'll take us to the week of June 18th, which is Batman and Rachel Gould, I guess, will be our first one to talk talk about. So did you want to take this one first, Pros? Yeah, sure. So um, this uh, Batman and Rachel Gould, this is um, continuing the, the Hunt for Robin storyline that's been running through this title for a while now. And, as Batman's been teaming up with uh, a host of other characters from uh, Wonder Woman to Aquaman to even Frankenstein, and and now uh, not teaming up, but facing off against Rachel Ghoul. So it feels like we're getting to the, the climax of this uh, this storyline. And whether Rach or Roz for you, uh, Nolan fans, um, is is actually going to go through with his plan and resurrect. Uh, both Talia and Damien, and and Batman is trying to prevent that from happening. So now they're facing off here in uh, I hope I get this right, Nan- Nanda Parbat. Yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, where uh, where Raish has uh, submerged uh, Talia, and he's uh, preparing to 
do so to, to Damien as well. And But Batman fears that they'll be resurrected with uh, a lack of memory of who he is, but also potentially completely insane. So, um, and, it, and it's contrary to the, to the laws of nature, which I think Bruce is also trying to adhere to and be respectful of his son. He's, he's being a protective father, and he's probably, uh, I would imagine, as, as a father myself, you're fighting those emotions of wanting to bring back those things, but at the same time not wanting to tamper with, with nature. And I think that's the, the struggle, probably in the internal struggle that he's dealing with here. Awesome. Uh, fight scene between uh, Batman and and Rach in this yeah. in this I mean several pages of just the throwdown in the snow uh, you know uh, of Batman and Rach which is just awesome again harking back to some of those great moments from Batman the animated series uh, and from Batman Begins you know if if you for those of you who know the movies um, and then with a surprise ending which leads into um, the, the upcoming storyline of Robin Rises uh, Omega. So we have uh, a host of characters arriving from Apocalypse via the boom tube, and that is how the uh, the Batman race uh, battle ends. So uh, this is a really cool issue. i got to admit this. The hunt for Robin has uh, been kind of hit or miss for me. Some issues I've really loved, some issues I haven't. Um, I loved, I mean, sometimes it was a, it was a, felt a little bit forced at times, you know, uh, trying to get these other characters in, like, oh, there just happens to be a pit, uh, on, uh, you know, on Themyscira and things like that. Um, but at the same time, surprise, you know, uh, the, the Batman Aquaman team up was fun. Uh, and there was kind of a, you know, some really strange story reason to have that happen, but it, but it was cool. Um, as for this, I, you know, I, I totally dug this. Uh, it was you got a great throwdown between Batman and Raish, and uh, I'm fully invested to see where it goes. Uh, I don't care about Frankenstein. Uh, he doesn't need to be in this to me. Uh, I, I'm not interested in that character, and so for him, for me, he's a throwaway. Uh, I don't see really the need for him to even be there. Um, so I will give this. Um, uh, I will give it a a four out of five years until Tim goes to Comic-Con, only because uh, knocking one year off for even the inclusion of Frankenstein. But other than that, and frankly, I'm not huge on the apocalypse invasion. That uh, that stretches my, 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 my Batman muscles sometimes a little too far when we get into that kind of uh, intergalactic type stuff. Um, so I'm going to knock it down a little bit for that, but, um, but overall this is a little satisfying issue, I thought. Yeah, for this one, I thought the beginning of it was maybe a little weak, but then it really picked up in the end, just like you said, with that awesome fight sequence between Batman and Rage. But I just thought the beginning of it was just a lot of exposition, really. And the thing that bugged me about it was how pretty much the last or the two issues ago where Batman teamed up with Wonder Woman because Rachel Gould was trying to find the Lazarus Pit there on Paradise Island. Pretty much made that issue pointless because it was like he was going there, Rachel, to find a specific Lazarus Pit that's supposed to have better regenerative powers than the normal ones do. But he turns out he misread a translation and he thought that was the wrong one anyway. The one they're at now, this is the right one. So it was like, okay, so he pretty much could have skipped that whole one issue with Wonder right. Woman and just go straight to this one because that – the dynamic between Wonder Woman and Batman was pretty fun to read in that one, but it was really – now we know nothing eventful happened there. It just went straight here, so that kind of bugged me a little bit. 
But like you said, when it gets to the end where Batman takes Damien's uh, body and tries to escape out, but then he confronts Rage for one big epic fight scene. It's like you said, those, those panels, there's several pages, it's awesome artwork of them going at each other. Batman getting in some awesome punches in there, some brutal stuff in there too. So just an evenly matched fight that you would expect to see between Batman and Rage. And totally opposite of what we saw in Nightwing number 30. I don't know if you've read that issue, Cross, but that fight between Batman yes. and Nightwing was just uh, so over the top. It's just so, uh, I don't even want to talk about it again. I just did not enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It was, it was, it was a little absurd. And, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter guy, but, um, I have a hard time with lots of exposition happening when yes. you're being punched in the face. <laughs> it's, it's weird to read and, and you're like, you're, you've got teeth flying out of your head and your nose is gushing blood and mean, but you've got time to explain how you're teaching a lesson. Yeah, that, that Nightwing fight was a little much for me. It's like, okay, sparring is one thing, like brutally beating the crap out of each other is a different thing altogether. Uh, you know, if you have brothers or if you, <laughs> if you do martial arts or anything like that, you know, when you spar, you're not trying to kill the other person. <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it was excessive. But this, these are bitter rivals and enemies. And, um, and once, and like you said, there was a lot of exposition up front, uh, to, to explain why they needed to be at this Lazarus pit. Uh, again, all, a lot of convenience, um, so that they could team up with certain heroes, in my opinion. But, but nevertheless, we've gotten to this point, and now it's finally at where this story really wanted to be, which is Batman and Rage face-to-face, and, and, and I liked it for that. Yeah, and I love how the fight ended, too, where Batman gets that one last punch in his face, and then he goes to him, and then he puts his eyes, like, his fingers in his sockets, so he's just squeezing him in Rage's face, and then, like, oh, man, how is this going to end? And that's when the boom tube flashes, and then we get um, some parademons and some guys from Apocalypse showing up. That's the one concern I have, is how much is Apocalypse is going to tie into this whole thing with uh, Robin Rises Omega and how they're going to play into Yeah, I hope they don't go too over the top because I think it should just stick with Rage and just don't have it just be some add-on thing that doesn't necessarily add to the story or just makes you roll your eyes when you read it. So hopefully it won't go that route because we know we're going to get a Robin back, but we don't know if it's going to be Damien. So that's still the big question (laughs) that we're waiting to find out as the series goes on. So for this issue, I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five years that it's going to take me to finally go to Comic-Con, just because the beginning was a little weak, but then it kind of kicked up a notch in the ending, so. Gotcha. That's probably a better grade. I'm with you. I'm going to change my grade. Three out of five. Okay, there you go. We're in sync now. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so that takes us to our Batman Eternal recap for issues 10 and 11. And for these two issues... One of them I felt was really good. The other one, kind of a mixed bag. The one I thought was really good was issue number 10. I just And by mixed bag, you mean horrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I got an inkling of what you're going to say for number Okay, 10. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I didn't like it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but issue number 10 is focusing on the story points I really like for Batman Eternal. The whole thing with Falcone. I just really like his motivation as far as, him wanting to take the city back from the freaks, and he builds himself as the Gotham's protector in his own way, or he wants to get rid of, like, the Penguins, the Jokers, and the Batmans, anyone in a costume he pretty wants to get rid of. 
But then what I really like too is to see <laughs> Professor Pig go on the attack against uh, Falcone for what he did to him. I've always liked Professor Pig. He's just so goofy and just insane and crazy and sadistic all at the same time. that he, I think he makes a really good Batman villain. So I just love his interactions that he has, his weird dialogue that he has, his, his men where he sews the heads of animals on their heads. It's just really creepy. So we get that. And then the big uh, cliffhanger from issue number nine was that we found a relative of Alfred or Bruce ran into while he was in Hong Kong, and he's bringing her back to the mansion because she got stabbed. And throughout this issue, they didn't make it clear just how she was related to Alfred. He kind of knew it was his father, but she never called him dad or father. She just called him Alfred. And it ends up being where it's because she doesn't know the respect for him, so it's not going to call him by his, his respectful name as a dad. So that kind of left me wondering, okay, what exactly is she related to him? But I think we find that out in the next issue. But another thing we got here was more on Stephanie Brown, which I really like what they're doing with her here, and we get to see her origin, not her origin, but the origin of her father as a clue master. And it is pretty similar to what it was um, in the like original pre-New 52 stuff. And it's where he's like a talk show host who didn't tolerate um, stupidity from his contestants, so he got fired and he turned to crime. So I did like seeing that, but um, you know what? I actually, I jumped ahead. That was in issue number 11. So <laughs> I thought Stephanie Brown was in here. I think she might have been in for a section a portion in here where her at the library, but not where we get the origin of Clue Master. I jumped ahead there. But I did like all the Professor Pig stuff, Batman stopping him, and then reluctantly trying to <laughs> had to save Falcone and Catwoman. So Professor Pig mixed in with uh, more Falcone and Catwoman now this time, wanting to get back at her. I thought was this issue continued on the story of the points that I'm enjoying so far in Batman Eternal. So I'm going to give issue number 10 four out of five years. That's going to take me to go to Comic-Con. But issue number 11, this is where it's a mixed bag. Like I said, where I jumped ahead, I did like seeing more of Stephanie Brown looking to her father, trying to find ways to stop him, to expose him. So I liked that, but this issue was all over the place. We had the thing with more of Alfred and her daughter. We got Batgirl going to Brazil to find this, like, real over-the-top actor because she thinks he was the one at the train station where Gordon was framed. So she's finding him. But then you got Jason Todd sent to keep an eye on her. So we got that. And this issue just keeps going back and forth, bouncing in these different storylines. It just wasn't very enjoyable. And then that whole villain, uh, that Scorpion girl, Scorpina or something like that. Who was Scorpiana. Of, Scorpiana, okay. Who <laughs> was part of the, the League of Villains. The society, what was it, the League of Villains, or I'm blanking on that name. It was part of the whole Batman Incorporated storyline. Right. Uh, that was with the Club of Heroes. It was the Club of Villains, that's what it was, yeah. So, yeah, I just didn't enjoy that whole aspect with Batgirl and Jason Todd. And then the stuff that I did enjoy wasn't in the issue that much. And the artwork, I really didn't care for. There were some <laughs> weird character drawings in here, especially at the end with Batgirl and Red Hood. Almost the opposite of what we saw with <laughs> Detective Comics. So this takes the issue down a notch for me. And then we got the thing with, was, was, I guess, left to be a mystery in the beginning, but at the end with Selena at a, a tombstone reading a letter, which is from her father, which, which I took out of it was from Falcone, and they're going that route, which I believe they hinted at from, like, or was the case in pre-New 52 with Long Halloween and Dark Victory and all that. So... Unless I read it wrong, but I pretty much took it that Falcone was her father because she loved – the issue ends with her saying, I never had a daddy, and I sure as hell don't need one now. And that's because the letters uh, read or was signed, love your father. 
and I believe Batman makes a comment to something about Falcone, how she was captured with him. So I think that's where they're going with it. We'll see if that adds another dimension to the struggle that they're having with this whole gang war thing. But this issue was just all over the place for me. So I'm just going to give this one two and a half out of five years. It's going to take me to go to Comic-Con. So I'll be there before you know it <laughs> based on this rating. Yeah, it's almost like we should have an opposite scale. Like it should have been like one should have been the best. Yeah. Five, but nevertheless, yeah, I'm with you. Um, those were, those were great summaries of both those issues, and uh, you know, uh, ten I, I did enjoy. Um, I thought you know we're also left with a with a great uh, cliffhanger at the end of that issue um, as to you know who is really pulling the strings uh, of what's happening with Falcone yeah. and Annie Gotham, and you know we've been led to believe up to this point that Falcone is the guy, but there is somebody up above him even. And uh, so that was the big, you know, spoiler, you know, reveal at the end of of, uh, of issue ten. Um, it was it was a good it was a good issue, and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I mean, this this Batman Eternal series started so strong, yeah. and I was so invested and so loved what was happening with Gordon. And you know, the more they kind of have strayed away from that story, the less interested I've become. And um, number ten, I did like. The, the Julia Pennyworth thing is is interesting. Um, you know, we'll see where they end up going with that. Um, so I'm with you. Ten, ten, I enjoyed. It was good. Eleven was just a mess. And this art, and you know, I, I I know some people liked Batman Incorporated. I was not one of them. Um, I I didn't like that series. I didn't I didn't buy into the idea that Batman had all these really wacky agents all over the world that were kind of horrible stereotypes of the country they were from and and like El Gaucho, I believe is his name, and, and he actually makes an appearance in this issue and it's just I, I don't I don't I don't like those characters. I didn't and and this artist, I forget his name, I'm drawing a blank, and and he's like he he's clearly trying to do a an impression of Frank Quitely, but it's it's so not successful. Um, you know, it's just overly overly rendered detail for the sake of detail, and not you know where it doesn't even really make sense, and it's just some kind of wrinkles and hatching for no reason at all. Yeah, their facial um, expressions you know, were weird. Too. <laughs> yeah, a bad girl especially. There, I mean, there's some shots where her eyes are like as big as her head. <laughs> and it, it doesn't make she looks like an alien. Like, and and it, it's not consistent. If that's a style, that's fine. You know, and, and you carry that through, but it's not consistent. It's just like arbitrarily sometimes it's like that. And the character, I, I didn't buy, you know, even the way Jason Todd was depicted, I, he seemed out of character. He was, he's always kind of cocky, but I don't know. He just kind of showed up for no reason whatsoever. And there he was and on the roof. And yeah, that 11 was, was a mess. And, you know, and it was, it was totally Batman incorporated where you got characters like Scorpiana showing up. Like, who are these characters? I don't, <laughs> they're not part of the storyline. I don't care who they are. Get me back to what's happening with Gordon and Gotham. That that's what's important to me with this with this series. Um, so, anyways, uh, I'll I'll go back and give ten. I'll I'll say three and a half uh, years until Tim goes to Comic Con on that one, and then uh, I'm going to give 
eleven a a one uh one year. So it, it, it I, I did not like issue eleven at all. It didn't do anything for me. I thought it was very weak. Some of the Catwoman stuff was interesting. Um, you know, and kind of bookending it with that with her letter. Um, you know, maybe I'll give her a one and a half for the for the Catwoman stuff. But overall, you see, she felt disconnected from the overall Batman and from the storyline, and really felt like filler. And uh, if if you can't keep up the weekly pace, then this shouldn't be a weekly. Is all I'm saying. You know, if if you're gonna do a weekly, then give me a chapter that matters of the storyline that I care about each and every week. And and this was this was not that for me. So didn't like eleven. Ten was fine. Yeah, because it almost seems like they got to put this background story in there to drag it out a little bit for the weekly purpose of this comic book series. It almost seems like that Batgirl portion should be in her own comic book and not in Batman. Exactly. Girl, so. that, and that's that's my issue with it. If you're going to do a weekly, then then deliver a weekly segment and commit to it. You know, but don't give me filler. Yeah, exactly. That, especially at issue 11. And we're going to do how many of these? You know, and... <laughs> If you're if you're already in filler and you don't you know and we're doing this kind of stuff in Brazil with Scorpiana, I'm concerned. Give me back to to what I what I care about. This was this was not a good issue. Yeah, because it's almost coming to the point because there's a few issues in between where I wasn't too crazy about where now you go to the comic shop and like you flip through it. Is this going to be worth it? It's going to be like continuing the story aspects that I want to read about. They're like, no, okay, I'll put it back and just get wait for the next one or whatever, which unfortunately you didn't want from a weekly series. You just wanted to continue on what is building off of, of the other good story points. But it was always a concern right. of mine where they're going to put too many branching stories out there where there's going to be some that you don't like and some that you like more than others. And it's already come to that when we're up to only up to issue 11. So. Right. I mean, and you kind of, I mean, that's, you've already, you already have that. You already have that in your stable of, of titles. That's why we read Batman and Detective Comics and Batwoman and Nightwing and Grayson and uh, so on and so forth. Because we, we're interested in those characters and we want to see what's happening with them and their, and their own various adventures and we'll make the leap that they are, you know, that sometimes together and sometimes they are not. You know, that's comic books. Exactly, yeah. You know? But if you're going to give me a weekly story, and you're going to tell me every week I'm going to get a, a chapter of that story, then you've got to deliver on that. I mean, it goes back to our conversation earlier, Tim, about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And and, and the, after that Captain America film, I got another chapter of the Marvel saga each and every week. I felt like it was still part of that same story after after Cat 2. It's like so now with Batman Eternal, that's what you that's what you got to deliver with a weekly. I need us, I need it to be filled together. And if if you start getting too far out, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose me. Well, yeah. not lose me. So I'll still buy it, but yeah. <laughs> you're gonna lose you'll you'll lose the casual reader. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, it's a big commitment if you want to stick with every issue for a whole year. So. Like you said, you got to make everyone count. <laughs> but but I have been buying comics every week since I was you know, since I was twelve. So it, you know I, I'm gonna go and pick it up. It's a it's an issue of Batman every week. It's just it, this one disappointed me. So hopefully it'll get back on track soon. Yeah, bring back Jason Fabok. Is he gonna be coming back soon? 
That I'm not sure on. I don't know, like, the exact schedule as far as what the artists are doing for each book or at least, like, how many times a month they're going to be doing it. So Man, those first couple issues were just gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a while for the one who did 11 <laughs> to be back. I know. Let's go, man. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a very busy guy, and I'm sure he's drawing furiously as we speak. So we want you back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we may have ended the issues or the comic book reviews on a somewhat down note with issue 11, but <laughs> next week or the next episode we'll have uh, the next issue of Batman. So it'll definitely at least more than likely pick up with more positivity on the next one. But there we go. With that, it's going to do it for this episode of the Bat Fans Without Pants and Socks and the 52 Inch Weights podcast. Episode number 60 is in the books. So. Don't forget to check us out at thebatmanuniverse.net. And while you're there, you can also check out tweakaudio.com, where you can uh, save on some headphones by entering the code TBUSAVES and receive 33% off your entire order with free worldwide shipping. Again, that's tweakaudio.com, and you can check a banner out of the site over at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can also follow the Batman Universe on Twitter at Batman Universe and on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash batfanspodcast. And you can also give us a review on iTunes. Um, we're currently still at 11 right now. I know Dane's been saying he wants to give to a nice even number. He likes evens over odds. So <laughs> any reviews would be much appreciated. And then also if you want to send us an email, again, that's batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. Go ahead and leave us any feedback or any discussion topics. We'll be happy to read them. Then you can follow me on Twitter at TimG311, and Dane is at DaneSaysBanana. And speaking of Dane, he wanted me to mention this, even though he wasn't on, that as we're recording this episode on June 20th, he sent me a text saying that it's Jaws' 39th anniversary. So he wanted me to make a point to mention it on the podcast. Wow. Okay. Being as much he loves Jaws, and as we talk about Jaws, I think it's something he had to say. So expect for the 40th anniversary. Fair enough. The 40th anniversary of Jaws, we'll probably have an all Jaws episode or something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that's the way you can check us out and get in contact with us. But how about you, Cross? Go ahead and let people know where they can find you on the Internet and what projects you have going on. Uh, well, I've, I've got some fun stuff going on. Um, you may or may not, may not know I've been involved with uh, with Marvel Comics and the, the Disney Kingdom's uh, line of books that we've been doing in partnership with Walt Disney Imagineering and, and, uh, and Marvel Comics, bringing the worlds of, of the theme parks into the world of comic books and getting to explore some of the, the characters and stories that you know from Disneyland and Walt Disney World and so on and so forth. Um, so uh, we just wrapped up our first run on uh, Disney Kingdom's Seekers of the Weird, based on the Museum of the Weird, uh, never-before-built attraction concept. And we just launched... Uh, our second title, entitled Figment, uh, from the, the Journey into Imagination attraction at Epcot in Florida. Uh, it's doing really well. We're very excited. Um, the hardcover, I, I did a variant cover for each issue of Seekers of the Weird. Uh, the hardcover, I believe, is out next month, which will have a bunch of my concept designs that I did for the, for the book, as well as my, my covers are in there, plus all the, all the amazing art. Uh, and, and stories that, that were in the regular uh, book itself. Uh, Figment, definitely check out. Felipe Andrade is drawing it, and he's doing an amazing job, absolutely killing it. And uh, Jim Zub is writing a really imaginative, fantastic story 
uh, on that, and I've helped design some of those characters and, and I designed their logo. Um, so it's it's been a really fun project. So definitely check out the Disney Kingdom's line of comics. That would be great. Um, you can also hear me talk. Uh, if you're like me, you listen to a lot of Batman podcasts and a lot of other stuff. Uh, so I get to chat with these guys from time to time. But also, uh, I'm uh, frequently on the Holy Batcast with host Andy DiGenova, where we, every week we review a few episodes of Batman the Animated Series and our general musings on the Batman universe, much like we do here. Uh, you can find me. I don't do a whole lot of social media, uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm crazy busy with a lot of stuff right now. Um, but I, you can go check out my artwork at deviantart.com slash batcross, and you'll see some of my, my covers and, some of the, the fun stuff I've done for Disney and just my own my own little pieces of art. So that's where you can find me and communicate with me there. Um, and as always, it's awesome to be here on the Bat Fans podcast and, and chat with you and talk about the Bat, who I love to talk about. So I really appreciate you having me on there. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. Great to have you on. And definitely got to check out all the cool projects you got going on. They sound really awesome. So <laughs> definitely check those that stuff out. So with that, that's going to do it for episode number 60. So again, Cross, thanks for coming on. It was fun, and we'll see all of you guys next time. Thanks for listening.